0: We'll, we'll let's see. kick this back in.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get let's get to some matangoing. All right, so it takes two to matango, Jerry. <laughs> Actually, here <laughs> it takes three. Nice. That should be the uh, promo for the show right there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna be just fine. I just talk, you know. I just talk. Listen
3: to them, children of the night, sick, transit, Gloria.
0: Thrill me. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Kill the Cast. My name is Jerry, and on this very special episode, I am not joined by my two normal co hosts. I have murdered them and replaced them with two other co hosts for this very special episode. Joining me, all the way from Cinema Psyops, is the sometimes amazing, always at
3: least mediocre Court Psyops. I'm at least mediocre? That's a thing that I've been striving for my whole life. Hooray! Yeah, minimum you're at least mediocre. Minimum. <laughs> well, at least I'm never terrible. Yeah,
0: exactly. And also joining us is the the founding member of the network we are on, Legion Podcast, also host of Pick Six Movies, my personal favorite, Hero Hero Ghost Show, and the I guess now uh Dead and Retired uh Devour the Podcast. It is The great and wonderful and powerful Oz. I meant Bo. Great and powerful Bo.
1: Hey, man. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Now I feel like I am dead and retired after that introduction. Uh, (laughs) That's my goal. All right. Well, uh, you know, sooner rather than later, probably, let's be honest. Um, no, uh <laughs> uh thanks. And uh, it is fun to be here. This is my uh, my first visit. Even though it's weird because I feel like I've done the show because like we've had lunch and, and shit. So oh, yeah, it's... we
0: did we we've actually met in person. Yeah. We had lunch, we stared in each other's eyes, and then you also had me was... come on Hero Hero Ghost Show.
3: Yeah. Oh for sure. Hashtag yeah. jealous. Uh, hashtag
0: jealous for hero Go show because you're on there a lot well oh the no, lunch
3: has, yeah hashtag jealous that you guys are in the same state and that you can meet for lunch because i would love to have lunch with both of you
1: actually uh i plan on later in the summer once uh i get a couple of things taken care of around the house uh just an open invite of like hey if anyone wants to come for uh a couple of days even uh we'll do a cookout and i know that uh um Ricky and you are nearby, as well as Danny, of course, and uh, a couple of other people are close enough. We might be able to get X to drive in, and uh, but I'll I'll give it some advance. So if somebody wants to even you know make a trip, uh, that would
3: be a journey worth making for me. I would love to do that.
1: Yeah, stay for oh, a couple
0: it's... of days, eat, and we'll we'll have a, a nice like twenty four to forty eight hour long party filled with probably a lot of sleeping because we're all old. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I've, you know, I've got the room and we've got the big uh, projector downstairs, so you know we could do uh, some some movie watching and uh, some barbecuing uh, and, and that kind of thing. I'm sorry, I totally have derailed this entire show. I apologize for. And I'm kind of hungry now. I, yeah,
3: <laughs> see, we uh, have to grill some mushrooms for this. Definitely, mushrooms. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on that, but I will take the mushroom flavored Kool Aid. <laughs> All right. Man. Oh, but yeah, so this is kind of a,
1: a, a weirdly a hero hero go show reunion, but we've never had quite this mix before. And we're talking about a, a Japanese horror film. So this really is just perfect.
0: There needs to be a hero hero go
1: show with all three of us.
2: We can, down. We can well, blow we'll, people's minds.
1: We'll come up with an excuse for one. I'm, I've I've been real lazy about that because I'm kind of developing another show, and that's where my all my attention has been. Um, but more about that soon. All right. Well, you got the cock tease here first. Uh, so <laughs>
0: why have I brought uh, these gentlemen together? Well, that's because we are going to do one of my – all-time favorite movies, and that is Shiro Honda's Matango from 1963. Fun fact, I tried to do this movie on Kill the Cast a few years ago uh, by showing it to Kenneth, who uh, is normally on the show, and uh, my buddy Alex from the Skeleton Crew and Married with Children, because he had never seen it. And halfway through the review, we just kind of stopped because it wasn't working. It just wasn't the type of movie for them. And we just ended up interviewing Alex and putting that out. Uh, so, I've been wanting to do it, and of course I could have done it on Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, and we will do it on that at some point, but I kind of wanted to just do a special Kill the Cast episode because I had tried to do the movie before and it didn't work. So, I reached out and recruited two of the best podcasters I could find. They didn't answer their phone, so instead, <laughs> I went to Legion and got Bo and Cort to join me on this. Now. Bo, I know, had seen Matango and loves Matango. Court had never seen Matango, so he's going to be our fresh eyes in this little adventure. So we'll start off with first asking, Bo, what is your history with Matango?
1: It's a sordid uh, history, Jerry. Um, let's be real. Uh, no, I. this is one of those that, like, when I got... Uh, back in the day, I had seen uh, Attack of the Mushroom people. Because it was one of it was one of the movies what would come on at like two o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, and Chubbs was inside hiding from the sun watching Japanese horror movies on television. So uh, I I think that's where I originally saw it, and then it was later in uh, in college, you know, in the experimental phase of your life, and um, uh, Matango. I don't even know if it was a legit copy. I know that the student union showed it. And so I went to see it there. And I, it was like the Japanese Matengo. And uh, it was cool. And uh, like after that, after seeing the Japanese one in particular, I, I, I thought, like, this is a really deeply weird fucking movie. And only as time has gone on, and I have watched a lot more of Ashiro Honda stuff do I appreciate kind of how different a movie this is from anything else he did? Uh, It's a much different movie than
0: uh, from many other movies. There's, there's not many movies I can think of that are quite like Matango as it takes the paranoia that you have from say, John Carpenter's a thing puts it on a setting like Gilligan's Island, but is uniquely Japanese in it's criticism which I'll get into later. Um, And as for me, Matango is one of those movies that, as a fan of Godzilla movies, it was one of the ones you heard of, like Atragon or Dogra, that you could never really find until someone finally shows up with a bootleg and that they got at some convention that they paid $50 for, for this VHS transfer uh, that looks shitty. And we watched it and um, I loved it and i years later was able to find a slightly better uh version of the japanese one and then a few years later after that it finally came out on dvd and i rented it from netflix and watched that and then of course as soon as i could find it i actually bought the movie so i do have the dvd which is hard as hell to find which is unfortunate And I actually have to say, though, I've seen the Japanese version a few times. I actually tend to watch the English dub because I like the character voices for the English dub. And there's only one major difference between the original Japanese version and the American version. So it's not a huge deal. Everything else is pretty much the same, just worded slightly different. So it's fine. Now, Court, you had never really seen this movie, but you did tell us an interesting story about where you kind of saw a clip. So tell us about your history with Matango.
3: Okay, now I had known about Matango because of being a Shiro Hondo film and also being Toho. And it's one of the ones exactly like you described it, where you hear about it, you know it's out there, and you can't find it for fuck all, but you see pictures of various things or whatever in books that you might read or like a famous monsters. And there was a local horror host out here and I was actually at a party and the local horror host out here was playing it. It was on TV and I wanted to watch that and I was forced to shut it off and interact with people rather than watch a horror host, which is, as anyone who knows me would know, that it's like the worst thing you could ever ask of me.
1: (laughs) Worse than say like, I need you to kill this baby deer.
3: I stand by what I said. <laughs> All right.
0: <laughs> so in other words, as a child, you had a VHS tape copy of a Godzilla movie that had the short Godzilla versus Bambi in the beginning of it, and you were like, not as bad as not being able to watch my tango.
3: <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've slaughtered animals for food before. I tried not to make them suffer. So, I mean, I worked on a farm as a kid, you know, so that's not a big deal. That <laughs> might I be the eat, manliest
1: eat. thing said on this show. <laughs> Yeah, ain't nothing like that coming out of me. (laughs) Like,
0: I I mean, don't get me wrong, Kenneth's pretty manly, he talks about guns and necrophilia, but I don't think any of us has slaughtered animals for a living as
1: a child. Now, I I had to talk to my therapist about that time I accidentally killed a bird with a BB gun. (laughs) (laughs) True story.
0: And I just have to cry every time I think about Morley and me. So I don't know what to tell you.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm an easy touch with with uh, a movie about a dog.
3: That'll that'll get <laughs> yeah. me every time.
0: And it's hey, just
1: I, easy to touch me.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I'm an I'm an animal lover. Don't get me wrong, but um, meat is meat, and a man's got to eat. That's all I'm saying. Oh uh, no, I'm not.
1: Oh, no. I'm with you. Uh, okay. Anyway, enough about that. Back to Matenga, but it is kind of cool. Like it, it for a long time, it was this kind of holy grail. And it, it's nice to live in an age where, yes, the movie is not you know right around the corner, but you can get your hands on a copy of it, even if you got to eBay it. and It's maybe not quite on the up and up and all that shit,
3: but you
1: can get the your American- hands.
3: The American edit of it, or the English language edit of it, is under the title uh, "Attack of the Mushroom People" right now on Amazon Prime. Yeah,
0: that's, that's, I actually that's, need crazy. to watch that. I've never watched that version of the. I've only I only ever saw the uh, Japanese original version, and now I don't know if the one that's on my Tokyo Shock DVD. Uh, who does the dub for that? I really should have looked into it, but I do know that Japan did make a international dub for the movie, but I do not think that's what they used for Attack of the Mushroom People if it is a ed- highly edited version.
3: But you can at least see some version of it very easily if you have Amazon Prime right now. You can just go onto the or, video app and watch it.
0: Or you know what? Since you can't buy it in a way that gives Toho money, message me and I'll get you the movie. <laughs> I have I if you cannot get the people who made the movie money, then I see no reason why you should give it to some uh, guy named Ralph. So,
2: yeah, hit me yeah, third
3: party seller who's going to charge you seventy five dollars for a DVD that's been out of print for a really long time that they've yes. watched a hundred times and just got sick of.
0: Yeah. And I've got and I've got both versions that are on the Tokyo Shock DVD, the the dub and sub. So whichever one you want, I got you. Um. So that's interesting. So yeah, this is going to be Court's first time. So as we go through this movie, we will kinda get to see uh two people who love this movie, have loved it for a long time, and someone that's going to be their first time. We, he's losing his virginity to a giant mushroom.
3: I don't know how to follow that sentence. Giant mushroom headed thing. Let's face it, that's what's happening here.
0: Well, I'm I'm kinda turned on. So okay. <laughs> so, now, this movie, Uh, one problem this movie has is learning everyone's name. Uh, I know it took me a few watches to do it, and in fact, I usually just call them code names. I don't know if that was a problem for you, Court, but I'm terrible with Japanese names. And at some point, I will mispronounce the name, and Bo will most likely correct me.
1: I so, will uh, enjoy it when I do yeah I
3: give I give characters code names or nicknames all the time when I watch movies because I don't pay attention to the names of the characters. It takes a while before I actually do. It's just something that I do like I recognize I'm terrible with names anyway in real life. I have coworkers I've probably known for like five years and I just know them by their face and not their name.
0: That's fine. That's how I know everyone on podcasting.
3: Uh, do, but do you more give than them to the, uh, give them the hey chief. <laughs> how are you? <laughs> Hey, buddy, how's it going? Everybody's buddy to me. It works. Hey, Captain. What's up, boss? (laughs) All right. Okay. So
0: here is the cheat codes that I use, that Wikipedia uses, that IMDB uses, uh, which is uh, Murai is professor. He is a conscientious psychology professor. Uh, I I, I can't go into the second part of that sentence that I wrote because it describes too much. Uh, then you've got uh, Mommy, which is the singer, or Mimi, depending on which version you're going with. It's spelled Mommy, but it's kind of said Mimi. Uh, she is a carefree singer and temptress. And she's also played by Kumi Mizono and I love her.
1: Yeah, she, uh, she pops up in a couple of uh, Shiro Honda films, if I'm not mistaken. She does, and I love it every time. Uh, in fact, uh,
0: Professor Murai is actually played by Akira Kubo, who also pops up in a lot of Honda films, along with uh, the next guy, Kinji Sahara, who plays our sailor, Koyama, who was a crude, low-class ruffian.
1: And smokes a pipe, a badass pipe. I identified <laughs> with him. No, no,
0: no, 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 not the skipper.
1: Oh, the right, right, sailor. right, right, okay, We sorry. have to
0: make that... That uh, very clear, there is a skipper and a sailor, Uh, Koyama the sailor, he's the crude low-class ruffian guy uh, who is literally just the hired hand. Uh, Then we have our writer, Yoshida, who is a very pretentious mystery novelist. Also identified with him. I wonder why. (laughs) Uh, We have the, uh, the owner of this yacht, which is Kasai, who is a greedy capitalist. And then we have uh, Bo's favorite, the skipper, Sakuda, who is an authority that is to be taken seriously. Okay? He has a pipe. Take him seriously, guys. Oh,
3: man. I love it. Um, Yeah, I've got no complaints about the pipe. It's awesome. I wish I could
1: pull that look off. Oh, my goodness.
0: Yeah. And then our literal non-character, you have uh, the student Akiko, who is shy and afraid and is kind of uh, Professor Murai's girlfriend.
1: Eh, Yeah, kind of. She's just the girl that they were like, well, we felt bad for her, so we brought her along. And now that she's here, she's kind of a drag. Like, well,
0: you (laughs) can tell Mariah's like, I'm not allowed to date her because she's a student and I'm a professor, but international waters,
1: right, guys? (laughs) (laughs) And the zip code rule is in full effect on this boat. Exactly. So this movie was
0: shot uh, between... If you want to talk Godzilla, it was between Godzilla vs. King Kong and Godzilla vs. Mothra. But it is actually between Gorath and Atragon, who sandwich in this trilogy that Honda did between his two Godzilla movies of Gorath, Matango, and Atragon. Unfortunately, Matango, which is the best of those three movies, is unfortunately the one that uh, did the worst at the box office in Japan, surprisingly enough. But that's okay. I still, yeah. like, uh, you
1: I know, still the, like it. I like The thing bombed too, you know? It, it's like the the good shit is not appreciated in its day all the time.
0: It really isn't. And, and honestly, to this day, I still don't think Matango gets the appreciation. It does. But I'm hoping by the end of this review, which will have tons of spoilers in it, but it's a movie even with spoilers, you're still going to enjoy the hell out of the movie. So whether you've seen it or not, you should go see it before you watch this. Or listen to this. But we are about to get into the story. And it starts with a great dark opening. With Mirai telling you all that his friends are alive and he is dead. So why didn't they come back? We fade away into Gilligan's Island. Where we get some credits on top of boat sails. Here we meet our cast. Yoshida is riding. Mimi is singing. Kasai heals the boat. Makes fun of Kikyo for being seasick. And uh, you... They really start off showing you each character right away. As Mimi starts singing to get attention and the shy Akiku Akiko runs away, you have the skipper and the sailor talking about whose woman that uh, you know, who's married to Mimi? What kind of lady is she?
1: Yeah, and they're pretty quick to be like, Well, she's not the marrying kind, really. Like And and someone finally asks, like, Oh, so she's a mistress? And like, it's like, eh, eh. like nobody commits to it, but it's like, yeah, kind of just how be cool. little Like how little commitment do you have that you can't even commit to being a mistress? Hey, look, she's a free spirit, man. She's singing songs. She's playing a fucking ukulele. She's Not got true. shit going
0: on. Yeah. So either way, we find out that uh, a storm is coming. And even though uh, the skipper, Sakudo, tells... Uh, koyama that hey we got to go warn them and they're even talking about how different they are from the others in the high class Sakuna basically tells kasai that storms come in and we need to get out of here but instead of taking that advice kasai's like i spent tons of money on this boat therefore it can survive a storm which is not good <laughs> logic um i can spend a lot of money on a cheeseburger That does not mean it's going to survive a kid running up and hitting
1: me in the balls. Or the (laughs) shameful process of digestion, quite frankly.
3: Yeah. Unless it's from McDonald's, then it can't be digested. Yeah, that's true.
0: I would beg to differ. (laughs) Because I survive all McDonald's and laxatives, and I have beaten McDonald's many a times. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Well, yeah. Uh,
1: okay, so I'm lying. the Get second over part it. of that that <laughs> makes the first part okay.
0: Yeah. So Kasai and everyone else votes to keep sailing because, hey, this boat costs 40 million yen. There's no way it's going to to crash. So we
1: go back into- It's also into, named
3: Titanic 2, by the way. Yeah. Yes, unfortunately. And, well, uh, and,
1: and, and uh, Richie Rich- just like spends his time like as the storm is brewing and they're like, we should probably go back. And he's like, you know what? Here's what I do. I don't know shit. I just hire people who know shit. And that's how, that's my genius is just being able to like coast on the shoulders of others. And then is starting to make the, the big calls like, Oh yeah, no, 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 the storm's fine. Let's just sail right into it. In fact, if you see a lot of lightning, go towards that. I bet that's going to be something to see.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's like he thinks he's really talented because his dad gave him a small loan of a million dollars. And he's been able to coast on that into a very successful life. And he thinks that that means he started with his own talent. It's kind of like that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That sounds awfully familiar. I I don't know what you're talking about. I feel like there's someone that brags constantly about that. Nope, I created that all on my own. Yeah, uh, okay. nothing coming to right. mind. Yeah.
0: So, uh, so Yoshida talks to Mirai <laughs> and talks that like he's a psychology professor and tells Mirai, if you threaten a woman and then become sympathetic for her, she falls in love with you. This is a, how I got
3: my wife. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, I'm kidding.
2: Yeah, it's this like, like just the dentist system. Told, hey, Dame.
3: Yeah, it is. It's just as bad as the dentist system <laughs> from... Uh... It's always sunny. Yeah.
1: It's just like look, you gotta neg her a little bit, and then you swoop in and pick her up and everything's cool.
0: Yeah, the whole call her fat and then she's
1: more vulnerable for burger. you to get in there. Yeah. Take call her, her fat, get her a beer,
0: it'll be all right. Uh this is this is something that <laughs> hey, in hey, the nineteen sixties 1960s... You want
1: a double quarter pounder?
0: <laughs> I'll even throw in some chicken nuggets. Uh-huh. Uh this is something that in the nineteen sixties I could definitely see a novelist thinking because it's such a uh Not hopeless romantic idea, but just retarded romantic idea that obviously would not fly today anyway, unless your name is
1: Max and you're one of the cool bros. Yeah, well, let's be honest: the politics of this movie is not much more sophisticated than an episode of Dragnet. I mean, and and it comes from about the same place.
0: Yeah, all our fans of Murder She Wrote will get that reference.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ask your grandpa about the show Dragnet. But basically, like this, this movie's real square jawed about like drugs are bad. You know, <laughs> like it, let's not mistake how Republican ultimately yeah. Matango is. This, after we go through the review, we'll get into the more philosophy
0: and everything. But this is the second time Ishiro Honda has done a movie where he. He talks
1: about drugs yeah well, uh, so th- this was not new for him. well it's a, this was the rebel period of Japan as well like you know the Beatles were hitting about this time and that the Japan was totally aware of that and the youth culture was changing yeah and so drug use was was more prevalent and 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 more talked about and that kind of thing kind of popularized just like it was in the West. And and so, yeah, Ashira Honda was one of those old guard that was like, drugs are bad and gay.
0: Yeah, in fact, if you watch the uh, original Japanese version of Godzilla vs. King Kong, uh, that movie has a very, very big message to it uh, that is very political for Honda. So Honda has never shied away from being political, even when it's about uh, a Godzilla fighting a giant monkey who has an addiction to berry juice please go listen to the hero hero go show on godzilla <laughs> versus king kong because you will laugh your ass off at elvis king kong king
1: kong <laughs> gotta score that
0: juice man oh, <laughs>
3: so, oh man. I, I had to shout that out. that fucking episode was just oh mwah, amazing yeah, that's when that's when beau and i knew we had something special
1: yeah <laughs> got a got a barrel of berries over there man
3: <laughs> come on god it, you know i need that stuff big g
0: <laughs> yeah so honda was very much into making his political uh messages regardless of what the story of the film is supposed to be so uh during the storm you have uh all the guys up top trying to fix everything and the girls are are down there and then at the bottom they're sitting at a table with their heads down on it like children almost like Everyone is a child in the eyes of nature. You are small and it can slap you. Uh, And they do a great job here of showing each of the characters. The owner, Kasai, ends up going and hiding down with the women. And then when the uh, engine goes out and the skipper runs down there, he blames the skipper for the engine not working, even though he's the one that blew off the warnings. It's his own recklessness and cockiness that put him in here. Almost like there was a multi, there there was like a form of social media that he could just say whatever he wanted, with regardless of anyone fact checking it. It's weird.
3: Are you sure there's not someone specific not you're talking about? Not a single
0: about? person. It's hmm. just all this stuff I created as I was writing my notes. It just kind of came to me. I didn't. I couldn't think of a single person.
3: Uh, okay, I just, it really feels like there's someone, and I, I know that's good writing because it makes me feel like someone that I can think of. Yeah, so, sure, it's just, I just that's art.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I have a hidden talent. But you know what also has a hidden talent? Uh, rich people, because they buy boats that can survive a storm.
1: Uh, now, they, in, in fairness, the boat did survive the storm. It just fucked it up real bad, and that's what he wasn't accounting for.
0: Yeah, to be fair, it counts as surviving the storm as long as it doesn't sink, it's still doing one part of its job technically. So therefore it's a success.
3: <laughs> I'm going to take the win on this.
1: Yes, yeah. exactly. If we're just um, calling it a W and, and that's, and be done with it.
0: Yeah. So they, the boat is just jacked up and they now go to a drift to the South. And we have this conversation between, uh, our skipper and our owner and, and it kind of... Uh, this is where the Skipper tells the owner... You know what? that You just had to play Skipper. You're so rich and powerful. You had to be controlled in front of everybody. And look where it got us. Uh, this is where the movie... Uh, okay. This scene is-, is telling you how humans react... Under pressure and stressful events. When, bef- when the storm was just coming... It was just a thought the rich guy was was still good as soon as shit hits the fan he blames someone and then as soon as everything calms down and he sees the wreckage he has to be like so you can fix this right like you're the skipper aren't you even though i was just saying i was you are right like this movie throughout is going to have you sh- how have it shown how your true character is going to show when tragedy strikes
1: yeah, and, it's, it's Romero esque in that way that yeah, like people get down to who they really are. Exactly, it's something that this movie, as um, some
0: movies are just character driven. Uh, Rob Zombie's Devils Reject is a character driven movie. The movie is just completely about these characters and learning about these characters and how they react um, for good or for bad. And it takes a huge lesson from Matango in this Matango shines for its, for its characters. Uh, and it also shines at foreshadowing as we have the writer Yoshida see a ship in the fog and he hears its horn and the boat kind of just doesn't stop and, and runs over the boat. But it turns out he was just dreaming. And, I thought that
3: was a ghost ship that just was definitely foreshadowing like they were seeing some kind of weird hallucination. I really dug that. But yeah, that's it's cool. it's the
0: fact that the character it happens to first is Yoshida, who later on will be the first one to succumb to the island.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's all kooky in the head. Yes. Uh, uh I'll, I'll tell you, here's the thing I really dig about this scene is, uh, it's got a little carpenter in here too, because there's this whole bit where, uh, the, the singer is complaining, About how like, hey, we're we're running out of water. This fog's been around forever, and we can't get out of it. Like, where are we going? What's going on? We can't see anything around us. It's really creepy. Like, this is the point where it's like, Matango is kind of a different kind of movie than the typical Honda fair. It's like there's not really gonna be the big monsters in this. This is actually gonna be more sophisticated in in its story.
3: Yeah. I think you nailed it when you said that it's very Romero-esque. This, especially the times of crisis and how everybody on the ship starts turning on each other when they're in that survival mode, it is exactly how the people respond in Night of the Living Dead, and I think it nails it perfectly that way. Yeah, it just did it, you know, five years before. (laughs) Well, yeah, but it's the closest frame of reference that I have to kind of say, just like when you compared it to the thing. Yes. Yeah, and we'll get to that stuff, which is great.
0: Yeah, and I also like the foreshadowing that once again we get when Mimi laughs as the tension between uh, Sakuda the Skipper and the owner Kasai uh, have their conversation and the sailor Koyama walks in and talks about how women are taboo on ships not because the gods are jealous of them but because l- men lose their minds for them. Uh, another piece of foreshadowing we have as uh, Mimi kind of insert herself in the middle of a tension based conversation and how it's driving these men crazy. And Koyama is the one to call it as it is in a kind of misogynistic way, but that's kind of who he is. Right.
1: And also she loves her some drama.
0: Oh yeah. She's all about it. She literally will do anything for attention uh she will tell you she is the best singer no singer is as good as her uh sells out clubs packs 60 person club packs it out uh with 200 people every single time best singer i i like Uh, this
1: character just because she's not uh like the passive character like akiko is in this film like she she seems like you know for lack of a better term kind of a broad of like, hey, the, you know, th- this is a real self-assured kind of woman in this time among men. And, yeah. And is a little bit more brazen and certainly scandalous in a way that Akiko is not. But Akiko also is kind of a non-entity
3: for most of the movie. To be and fair... She's, it, I was going to say, she's exactly the kind of woman that would annoy the living hell out of that captain and would make him say the thing that he just said. No, yes. no, not
0: the captain. The, the sailor. The
3: author. The sailor, sorry. Sailor.
0: See, that's why you got to use all the proper nicknames. That's why I didn't go with captain and I went with skipper because I can think of skipper and sailor. And I'm like, yep, anyone that calls himself skipper, confidence out the ass. Mm -hmm. No one can go around and call themselves. Anyone can be like, oh, yeah, I'm a captain. Do you have the balls to call yourself a skipper? Then put the pipe down because you're not allowed to have it. (laughs) Um, <laughs> uh, I, and, uh, there was, and com- contrasting all the characters against each other, Akiko uh, and Mimi are, are such opposites. Kiki, uh, I'm sorry, sorry, Kiki, Akiko uh, is kind of the traditional, uh, conservative Japanese woman that was prominent up until this time where Mimi is now the self-sustained, free of heart, almost Americanized, uh new women, new woman from the new century. You know, she's not a wife, she's not a mit- mistress. She's her own person. She will do whatever she wants to do and she will get her own by however she has to do it. She give her a gun and she's American.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
0: um with that, they now finally find an island. They land on this island. It looks beautiful. One of my favorite shots uh, is right after our uh, sailor Koyama tries a berry, uh, and is like, "No!" and it, you know makes the sour face, throws it. Uh, they keep marching on. The camera slowly paces upwards through the trees as they march forward, and it's just a nice. Shot that moves on two fronts. and I, It's just beautiful. The, the, the photography. The director of photography. How this movie is shot is just wonderful. It uses things like this to build. Interest in just. Standard movement. They're just moving forward. But while they're moving forward. You're still being kind of. Taken away from them. Because you're you yourself. Watching the movie. Are civilized in a civilized place. You cannot be on the
1: ground with them. Hmm. All right. I like that. And also it does a a really nice job of kind of showing like the depth and breadth of the jungle as well of like, yeah, they're, I mean, they're in the wilds. There's no, there's no civilization to be had here.
0: Yeah. In fact, in their next scene, they find that civilization and they find it in the form of ship. That is absolutely wrecked. Has been shipwrecked for like a year. But I love. I also love the look of the scene of the ship, and it's all this fog, and it's them running towards this ship. Um, and for this movie, uh, Edgy Subaraya had convinced Toho to get him a uh, new optical printer. It was what was the name of that? Woods Bear Woods
1: what o- I, oxberry you know i i don't remember i read about this as well i know that it was kind of on loan from the us i think well they ended up buying it um but it, but it would they were able to do these composite shots in ways they never been able to before where it was like five layers of composite shots and it made it way more so economical to do those shots as well as just the better effects yeah and, and i'm really actually
0: slightly confused on it because I read that it can do four, but in an interview with one of the guys who who was one of the big people who did special effects on this movie, um, because Edgy Tsuburaya worked on this movie, but this was at a time when he was building his studio, uh, uh, Tsuburaya Productions, so at this time it was more, they hired Edgy, but he was kind of like letting his team do it, because technically they were being hired as, as a outside team instead of working directly for Toho.
2: Hmm.
0: Um, and the guy who did it, he said it could do up to six shots in once. but he actually was it was really cool because he broke down that um, how they were doing everything before was a back projection and this was a front projection, which made everything look more cleaner. And with the Oxberry, they, they could do uh, multiple different pictures going at once, to you see it when you see any shot of them on the beach where you see the coastline and you see this weird greenish purplish fog over everything. Mm-hmm. It was it's very cool. Yeah, um,
1: I, I, this movie I think looks fantastic. Like all the Technicolor uh, vividness of it and the and the kind of saturation of it all. I just think it's
3: gorgeous.
0: Yeah, I'm literally I actually thinking, thought it was.
3: I thought it was like a decade later than what it was. Like I was shocked that it came out in like 63 after I finished it. Yeah. Yeah. It looks so I'm
0: good. I am really debating on importing the Toho Japanese Blu-ray and ripping it and putting a subtitles SRT file on it and trying for as long as I can to get it to line up because <laughs> oh my god I want to see this movie in Blu-ray. Uh.
1: Yeah, that ain't the worst idea I ever heard. And even just letting it roll without the subtitles. Like, you, yeah, we've seen it enough times now That's like, yeah, 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 I know what they're saying. I know what's going on. Let's just see this thing as good as it can look. I bet it does look... If, if the restoration was right on this thing, holy cow, I bet it looks great.
0: From what I've heard, Toho does a really good job with the restoration, so probably.
1: Ugh. Um,
0: Sounds good. So the men decide to go into the ship and the women are going to wait. And once again, we have one of the men waiting with the women. This time it is our writer Yoshida. Uh, Cause he's like, they would have eaten all their food before they died. There's no point in this. Uh, it's like, as soon as Yoshida lands on the Island, he becomes the epitome of apathy. Yeah. Uh, also, I've learned that I say that word wrong and it's not epitome, but epitome. I don't care. Yeah. yeah. Apparently it's epitome but I've always said epitome, and now I can't, without actively thinking about it, I can't change it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just admit that I can't say it after I say it. Yeah. Because <laughs> if you do something wrong and you admit you did something wrong, you can continue to do that wrong thing. I've learned that's,
3: this. Yeah, it's the path to forgiveness.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I-
3: Again, I feel like you guys are talking about a very specific person.
0: Mm, no, hmm. no, I, uh, I was talking about the art design of this movie. Uh, the inside of this ship uh, is amazing. The the I actually found out the ship, the set was the way it was built. It was built tilted, so that they would actually, the actors would always be slightly off balance when they were on the ship set. Which is really cool. One of the actors said he used to get sick because of it, but you know, you gotta do you gotta get sick for your art. <laughs> sure.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Christian Bale does that all the time.
0: Yeah. Uh you know, he's he's sick with the sound guy and we're sick with uh fungus. it's mm-hmm. uh, oh, like this podcast.
1: It looks and it I'll, it has a real gothic kind of look to it all, which I really dig. Um, it feels very different, even though there's plants everywhere and shit. It feels very different somehow. Uh, especially as they're going through all the cabinets and their beakers and shit. The uh, turtle? The no-eyed turtle? Well, and this is as close as the movie ever comes to giving you a, a reason why. Which is, hey, it looks like they were doing experiments here. Um, and and it probably had something to do with radiation because the mutation in the turtle is one like you would see. In, yeah. Uh, in, and then they... Uh, open up a crate and there's a giant ass mushroom in there most prominently and they're like hey uh, it looks like some kind of immune mushrooms here uh, what the fuck
0: yeah and, and the whole the ship has a Geiger counter the, the manifesto for the ship has no nationality there's stuff that's, that's uh, from capitalist countries communist com- countries Japanese or well they say communist and free world uh, in Japanese which is interesting. Uh Uh-huh. So, and the girls finally decide that they're going to get on the boat, too, and they notice that all the mirrors have been taken off. Um, Then they all find the captain's cabin, which is covered with mold much thicker than everywhere else and is lit red like a Dario Argento movie. (laughs) It's so good! Like, this whole movie... Is almost like a like if Dario Argento still did his colors but was more subtle about it, it's very interesting. Like watching this movie after seeing all the horror movies I've seen, I can slowly go, Oh, you know, this is like an Argento movie, this is like you know, a John Carpenter movie, this is like a Romero movie. And it's so funny because all the movies I mentioned are from after that movie, yeah, but yeah, I mean, this it's... movie wasn't huge so it's kind of hard to say whether it was known though it did get an italian release so maybe argento did see it
1: uh maybe it's just one of those movies man that i think like in retrospect it just did so many things right and and it did it did things right that are still hard to do today you know in terms of telling a story like when when it gets into the paranoia and shit um i i I just think it's it was way too clever for its own good at the time um but i i agree i think it's it's remarkable like all the color in that scene is fantastic everything just looks kind of gross and wet and
0: yeah wet and dry at the same time like it's weird because it looks like this wet sickness but it also
3: seems like this dried dead thing I was kind of getting the inclination that that section was suffering from dry rot, and that is where the funguses are growing. They grow in the water, but they absorb all the moisture out of everything they're growing on, so it creates that sort of dry rot look that was there. And as far as the various colors and the lighting, I kind of got the feeling of sort of Basil Gogos's artwork. He's the guy that did a lot of covers for Famous Monsters of Filmland, and he does those stark contrasting colors on opposite sides and you know his work as soon as you see it just yeah. the way that it is and it it kind of reminded me a little bit of that as well yeah yeah i can well, definitely see that oh, all right that's a good
0: reference at first i was like gonna be like oh look at you dropping class dropping some classical painter and then you said famous Monster in film land and i was like oh yeah i know those covers
1: yeah and that's I was even like, oh, better he's, than he's, a famous painter <laughs> that's that's <laughs> paintings i care about
3: yeah, yeah well that's that's how I work. I care about a certain niche of things in this world. And to me, Basil Gogos is the painter. Right yeah. I, there's it's, nobody better as far for, as I'm concerned.
0: For Godzilla fans, I'll put it this way. He's like the Bob Eagleton of it. Because if you're a Godzilla fan, you know Bob Eagleton's Godzilla work. Because yeah. it's, it's just – it looks way better than what you would think a giant monster movie deserves when it comes to art. So – Either way, uh, the owner, Kasai, ends up finding Koyama, eating food down there. Yoshida is, is with them, and uh, this is kind of where we now move into the ship. We are going to clean this place up and live here. And as soon as they move in, we all we, we start off with a split Because Kasai, who's rich, he hides away in the captain quarters and cleans a gun. And he thinks cleaning a gun is the same thing as, you know, helping making plans to get off the island. He thinks that this one tiny thing he did is equal to saving them.
3: Very. You never know when a gun is going to save you. You definitely need to have an operational gun. I'm kind of with the guy on this. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But in the grand scheme of things, he's not actually talking with the other leaders of the ship to figure out how we can save the whole situation. He's just focusing on fixing the one thing that's going to make him more powerful than the others.
3: Again, I still feel like you're talking about I somebody here. I don't know what you're talking about, Court. I'm sorry, I d- Jerry. I just, I don't know what it is, but you keep triggering things in me here.
0: Uh, I trigger people sometimes, you know? That's just what I do. Uh, I talk about uh, designs made of snow and stuff. Um, So they find out that there's nothing living on this island. Uh, Yoshida starts talking shit to Kasai and to Kasuda. And Morai has to be the level-headed one to be like, y'all chill the fuck out. You're starting to, once again, they're starting to focus on the dynamic of the characters now in a new setting
1: yeah it's and it because all of this is just like okay who's in charge and only uh a handful of people seem to care about like we just need to get out of this you know and and it it like you said it's just it it becomes all these like interpersonal conflicts uh and and kind of character-driven conflicts as opposed to you know hey here comes the monster Right now, yeah. they, all all we know for sure is they're like, "Hey, fucking, don't eat the mushrooms, okay? That is the one rule of our little tribe because we don't like anything we can else we can uh, find on the island to eat, fine, but the mushrooms are probably not cool,
3: yeah, yeah, it's never a good idea just to eat a mushroom unless you know for sure. And even then, unless it's the absolute last thing you have to eat, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I would eat a so mushroom over an o. So many of them are so poisonous, though. I mean, onions well, I, aren't poisonous, but you mushrooms know, are.
0: know, onions are poison. They're made out of pure oblivion. You just don't. They're just waiting for their time to strike. And all you people that have consumed onions are going to regret it one day. You wait. Hey,
1: you just know wash. what? If the onions are that smart, let them have it. Yeah, yeah that's what I, for one, think, welcome our onion overlords. <laughs> yeah, Me. I, I'm going to be in my the Vichy onion government.
0: No, I I will be fighting the real freedom because I know the truth. I know that the chemtrails are actually tiny molecules that are used to reflect the sun away so that when climate change happens, it doesn't burn up the earth so that the onions can't live here so that they will be able to take over. But all you people out there are like, oh, no, chemtrails are just, you know, that's just clouds. It's not. It's tiny particles of sulfur and stuff like that that can reflect sunlight i know what's going on i know the truth
3: that the government
0: doesn't want you to know about
3: (laughs) uh so yeah i like a lot of your ideas i'd like to subscribe to your newsletter uh it'll be coming soon Uh, we see the ego of everyone
0: come out here you have kasai uh he's rich he's the owner of the boat he doesn't have to live with everyone else uh, Yoshida, you know, he, he writes, he has imagination. He's better than all these squares. He, so he can talk back to them because he can out, he can out talk them. He's a writer. Uh, then, and you have Sakuda and Murai who are actually being level-headed because they're apparently the most adult here. And the most responsible with one being a professor who has to teach and one being, you know, a captain of a boat who has to run a boat, keep things in order and stuff like that. You've got Akiko still not doing anything. Uh, You've got Mimi still just being pretty. And you have our sailor, uh, Koyama, who also kind of has an ego of his own where he's like, none of what you used to do in the old world matters. What matters now is being able to survive, and y'all don't have survival instinct. I do. I'm from the mm. streets.
3: <laughs> he's
0: the Wu-Tang Clan of this outfit.
3: He's already sizing up which one of them he has to eat first. Pretty much.
0: And that's not including the different kind of eating he wants to do with the two females.
3: Yeah, he gets real rapey real fast and made me real uncomfortable.
1: Real rapey. Uh, we will We will get into that. Yeah, um, he's... He... He's the one that's, like, most likely to become a cult leader uh, in this scenario.
3: He goes full Leslie Nielsen from Day of the Animals in yes. this scene. Yes, he does. <laughs> well wow, said.
0: we are dropping references that no one's going to get. I'm so proud of you guys. <laughs> I, uh,
1: look, if y'all don't know the Leslie Nielsen Day of the Animal reference, that's, that's on y'all. You really, yeah, you gotta uh, see that yeah, movie. It it's fantastic. Really it, it's um, incredible. So Yoshida goes to make a signal
0: fire and dreams about all of them at a fancy club where Mimi sings and how civilized they are. Uh, you know, they're all sitting there enjoying their time. Akiko decides to go on the trip and they give her this necklace. That's a gold chip steering wheel that you've most likely seen the skipper wearing. Cause he's the only one that wears it prominently. Uh, and uh, this is them all sharing and borrowing. This is where, The conversation comes up that Bo referenced earlier where the rich guy, Kasai, he just borrows other people's idea. And that's the way of the world. The new generation borrows from the older generation and improves it. Even writers does it. Um, This is where you see them being able to share. The, The thing here is in the civilized world, they can openly share. They can... They can do that. But now on this island, we are going to see that sharing is no longer caring when you don't care.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, this becomes the show survivor, uh, pretty quick. Um, there, there is some investigation of, uh, the mushrooms. There's a, they like find a tree just covered, uh, in, in mushrooms. It's a uh, Mirai. Uh, or a say, Kasai. Yeah, just that like, hey, look at all these mushrooms on this fucking tree. And then off in the distance scurries a little, a little, a little mushroom Whoa. person. What was
0: that? What, what, what did they do? <laughs> Why does that sound like a fucking uh, turkey that's
1: injected helium? I don't know. I just, that's how mushroom people sound to me in my head. When is- I think about them too often. That's mushroom mist. Uh-huh. Oh.
3: Well, you know. Wow. So did, I, I know. grew up in
1: a different time.
3: <laughs> <laughs> when it was okay to hate on mushroom people? Yeah. yeah. Or, at,
1: or at least, you know, mimic their walk.
0: Yeah, and the other important <laughs> thing here is uh, that the birds are afraid to be here. Uh, Sakuda and Koyama are working on fixing the boat. They notice all the other sunken boats. Um, you've got the girls trying to, you know pick up shit, it doesn't really matter. Anyway, they all go back to the boat. Koyama makes it back to the ship first and finds out that the food has been locked up. Um, as we get to nighttime, uh, Koyama, the hippest of them all, who wears his sunglasses at night,
3: mm-hmm.
0: he decides that he's going to go t- and I guess rape one of the girls. But as he opens the door, there's a sound and he runs away. But before that, the girls... Uh, Akiko actually sees something looking in through the window right before the door opens. So they barely even get to talk about it. It's like this big thing happened, but then something else happened that took your attention completely away from it. It's like if they had done an investigation on someone and then we threw that all out the window because some big celebrity had something happen to them. You know, it's kind of like that.
1: Yeah, except the celebrity was rape. Yes. Yes. Uh,
0: p- well, p- possible, alleged, possible. Written. Right.
1: Attempted. Uh, yes. Uh, big on the attempt father. Yeah. Uh, uh so, but sorry. yes, but, but we do. And this gets to one of the big controversies when this movie came out and, and why it was banned for a little while, um, was because of the, the first lumpy mushroom person you see. Um, which just has kind of welts all over the face and and whatnot, uh, but is mostly a person. And it it looked too much like the boils from the blasted Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and they felt that Honda was
3: capitalizing on that horror. Which, I could see where that would be super controversial in its day.
1: Yeah, it completely was. To the point where the movie for a little while was like, you can't put this in theaters.
3: You know, uh, which is, it, it's
1: crazy that it was that controversial, but I do, I kind of like the lumpy head makeup though. It makes me happy.
3: Yeah, it I is- actually thought they were doing that intentionally. I thought they were trying to make it look like the type of boils from the radiation thickness. Oh, 100%. Because- yeah like it it totally like looked like they were doing that intentionally, but it didn't feel exploitative. It just felt like a shortcut to say there's something infecting them that is killing them yeah
0: yeah, yeah. it's one hundred percent uh on purpose that's if it wasn't for the fact that we see the uh the the boat with the geiger counter and the turtle, I would maybe be like, oh no, it's not like that at all, but it clearly is yeah. So, uh, with that being said, we find out that, uh, Kasai is also there and he's, uh, trying to steal some food, but, uh, as Mariah and Sakura run to go check on the sounds and they meet up with the girls, the bumpy-headed monster ends up showing up and, bam, we fucking kind of see a shadow as Kasai runs away and then we just kind of fade into the morning.
1: Yeah, it, that, it's probably my least favorite thing in the movie. It's like, no, 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 why are we cutting away from this? Like, this is just when it's getting good. I mean, I guess that's, you know, the point. But still, it's like, no, that seems a little too convenient. That it was just like, and then he left, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I wasn't really a real big fan of that. But it's really weird because uh, it just stops out and... And and the ending even plays out kind of like a dream with a wavy water effect as you see the creature and it disappears into the background of of the door now being closed. And we immediately jump to them all sitting in silence and eating until Koyama, who did not see the monster, yells at them saying they've gone crazy and they're seeing ghosts. And, you know, he also says that, you know, he's bothered by all the girls. And that's what's really getting everybody. And tonight he might take Mimi. And, uh, you know, he's like, yes, none of you are going to do shit about it. Well, Yoshida pulls the gun out and Koyama pulls out a knife. And then Koyama claims that Mimi and Yoshida go into the jungle for a little bit of that, uh, you know, pound for pound lovemaking.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: the owner Kasai comes back with, he knows what kind of woman she is. And we're all like, damn, this
3: is this is getting into some good drama. I am feeling this. Uh, so we, This is where he turns full Leslie Nielsen at the end of Day of the Animals in this sequence.
0: Yes. Uh, and Mirai, uh, you know, he shows Koyana the f- footprints to prove that they weren't imagining it. It was a real thing. Yeah. So at this point... We're, we're about to get into the good stuff, but I kind of want to ask Court, for your first time watch, where were you at when you were watching this movie? Like, what was going through your head now that it's really about to start kicking in? Like, everyone's starting to turn on themselves. We know there's something else on this island. What, like, the first half of this movie, what are your thoughts?
3: All right. If you take away all of the somewhat supernatural or creatures of an unknown origin that is the mushroom stuff that is going on, if you just focus in on the elements that's happening here, for the most part, they're trapped on a desert island with very limited resources. They're all constantly starving. They're all turning on each other. And bad shit is about to happen, regardless of everything else. I'm in on all of that drama, and I'm totally fucking loving this. And the thing that this reminded me of um, at this point is, like, that episode of the terror when it turns out, hey, uh, that ain't a fucking polar bear. It's something much, much worse. Mm-hmm. And that's that's when, like, it's that same feeling I got watching this that I got when you're like, holy shit, that thing is really fucking smart. And then you kind of realize, holy shit, this fungus is sentient, and it's coming for them. Like, was right here. You kind of see that it's, like, testing the waters and just kind of slowly but surely working its way in and doing reconnaissance and all that. And I just had goosebumps. I was so in on this point. And I was just like edge of my seat watching it for the rest of the movie. I was fucking in love. Yeah. I mean, it's the raptors testing the fences in
1: in a way. Uh, and, And like earlier, you had the setup of like, hey, I'm from the captain's log where it's like, hey, you know, we sent people out for food to look for food on the island. It's just none of them ever came back.
3: Yeah, that's the part that reminded me sort of of the terror, too. Where I was like, oh, God, they are so fucked. (laughs) Right. Like, we can't even look for food. Like, we're that fucked. Right. You look for food, you're losing that mouth. You don't have to worry about feeding it anymore.
1: Yeah, I guess that's what you do. Like, you draw the short straws. Like, who's going to be the hero today and see if you come back with nothing?
0: (laughs) Yeah, so uh, we get back into it and uh, Koyama kind of tells them, y'all just can't sit around and do nothing, which is probably what they would do, you know, they're, they're rich people, they're sophisticated, he's from, you know, the side of town where you got to survive, and he's like, you can't sit around and do nothing, you just know you can eat roots, you can go eat roots, go fucking eat roots, you've never had to do that, but you can do it, uh, and the hierarchy is kind of changing in this conversation, being rich in Tokyo does nothing here, You got to do something.
3: So I really like the power shift where it's the people that know how to survive are basically the ones that get left in charge because nobody else knows what to do and they're going to die if they don't listen.
0: Pretty much like the people that are in charge are not really in charge. Um, The guy who's threatening to rape and kill people is the one who's
1: actually coming up with a plan. (laughs) Right. Part of the plan is rape and murder. And that's unfortunate but he is a go-getter. You know what? You have to motivate people. You know, you can't just like, sometimes you gotta be rough.
3: You gotta be like, look here, rocket man. Okay. You're going (laughs) to do whatever I say. Okay. Wait, wait. Are you sure you're not talking about a specific person, Jerry?
0: No, I'm saying rocket man, because some of these characters have been in rockets and other
3: Toho movies.
0: What else would I be referring to?
3: I have no clue, so man. I'm weird. sorry. I just, uh, yeah. I feel, I, I feel like I'm ruining the show. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're fine. It's. I, I mean, I'm yeah, glad I'm we're sparking something. <laughs> I'm just gonna <laughs> edit court
0: completely out. Uh, well, that's the only way to improve your show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, we go in there. Uh, we go back, and you know, we have this really weird scene. Uh, and this is the one scene in the movie that. I really don't understand why it's in here, so I'm curious to see how y'all feel about it. It's the beach scene where Akiko is digging up seaweed or something, and she hears a voice that you can't recognize. She actually hears; it's just a voiceover of Akiko. This is your mother.
1: Yeah, I you know I took it as like she is looking for or like she is so desperate to be saved or be safe it is she is basically kind of kind of like what yoshida did of i'm going to invent this thing because i i need it so badly is the way i always read that but i don't know it's, it's just and, weird yeah, she doesn't weird.
0: recognize anything on her face like her face is just bland. right
1: yeah it's it's completely passive of just hmm, hmm. but like, it's keeping up the brave face i think it's just like i am i, I am the the model japanese woman I mean, like, despite this inner turmoil, I express nothing. I mean, I guess. Court, what's your take on that?
3: I just kind of thought that maybe in times of comfort, she basically tries to come up with what her mother would say to her in this kind of moment, almost like a a sage advice kind of thing. Like, look to your ancestors, look to your past, or something along those lines. That's just kind of how I took it was it was her imagination. But that ties into my overall, like, vision of what I felt I was actually seeing in the movie. And I don't want to kind of reveal that just yet until like the final thoughts area, but it started to develop here where I felt like we spend a lot of time in people's heads and like their perception of reality is slowly changing as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Mirai finds some roots. Koyama finds turtle egg and Yoshida makes alcohol, you know, just normal things.
3: Yeah. Uh, necessity.
0: Yeah. Cause shows up as Yoshida is making his drink Uh, Yoshida accuses Kasai of stealing food from the other night, points out that he likes to point out flaws in others, but not in himself. Uh, they kind of talk shit to each other. Yoshida then grabs the gun and says he's going to go hunt for the thing that scared everyone because he also didn't see it. Uh, Kasai's like, don't do it. I think it was human. And Yoshida responds that he hopes so, so he can talk to him. And he says this very interesting thing. He says, I'll be very interested in what he says. A man thinks strange things when he's out of his mind his reality may be more fascinating than ours and it wouldn't matter what he ate this mm-hmm. is one of just one of the times that the the script shines with showing how this is how the writer thinks he is no longer thinking about survival he's no longer thinking of any of that he's thinking how can i make my life interesting he's always written things to make his life interesting and it almost seems like he's he wants to talk to this person as, as
3: if it's inspiration for another novel. You know what I mean? Well, and he's also probably better at abstract thought, particularly in a time of crisis, uh, compared to the other folks. He may be realizing that he's seeing things differently than everybody else, and that the things that he is or is not seeing could be attributed to their environment and maybe their reality is being altered from lack of food and everything else. I think he's hinting at, he thinks that everybody else is hallucinating and he wants to see if they are. And if this other person that they may be encountering could also be having some kind of altered reality. And he's down. Like, he's like, yeah, let's do this. Let's listen to, you know, King Crimson and uh, eat some of those mushrooms.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I I really think that's what we're getting at with him. It's just like, oh yeah, he's the hippy dippy one that as soon as, you know things get slightly uncomfortable he's like yeah i'll get down with some mushrooms it's cool
0: yeah (laughs) uh and then we have koyama hiding his eggs and this thing is interesting because an unknown person sees him hiding the eggs. uh it's one of those things that you kind of maybe don't even realize is important until later so court did you notice this
3: I actually didn't notice him hiding the eggs. I must have looked away for a moment.
0: Uh, well, it's not the fact that he's hiding eggs. It's the fact that uh, while he's hiding legs, there's, uh, eggs, there's a shot of the trees moving, and he looks around to see if anyone's there.
3: Yeah, I guess I didn't. I must have missed that one. I'll have to check it out again and see if I can catch it the next time around. Yeah,
0: I think it's one of the smaller things that like later on when we get to it, you'll realize why that scene was like important. Uh, I guess not important, but it was more of them going like they ticked off a box. So like later when you go back to watch it to see if that person could have done that, you know, it's there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. So like one of those, the thing moments kind of, kind of deals of like, oh, yeah, hey.
0: yeah. Like when the dog goes into yeah. the room and you notice the shadows haircut, so you can figure out who it is.
1: Well, and the eggs are also important because we now live in a world of an egg based economy. <laughs> where well, these eggs are going to the fucking highest bidder on this ship, which is pretty rad. Yeah. If
0: you can sell eggs like he can sell eggs, you're made. Yeah. So <laughs> Yoshida, all he finds is fucking mushrooms, you know, <laughs> not that great. Uh, so Kuda goes to the captain's quarters, you know, cause he is a skipper and he takes the keys from the owner. Kasai tells Kasai that he can't be trusted. Uh, he will have to eat and sleep with the rest of them and work with them also. Kasai is like, I don't sleep well with others, blah, blah. Then Kasai reminds him that he took care of him and his family, put him through college. But Sakuda replies with a very sharp remark of, you pretended to be a friend, but treated me like a dog. So you learn new information that they have probably known each other their whole life. And Sakuda, while being friends with the high society, is not high society.
1: Sure. Yeah, you're still the help.
0: Yes. Uh, Mirai shows up uh, and brings in a couple of small roots. Koyama brings in 14 turtle eggs and then a bunch of huge roots to show how much better he is at all of this than everyone else. Uh, <laughs> you know, Yoshida also comes back and he's no longer wearing a shirt and he's sweating profusely. It's, it's very sexy I'm very (laughs) glad for this shot. I like sweaty Asian guys in bucket hats. Uh, I'm a big fan. Um, I also want to say, is he the
1: Gilligan of this since he wears a bucket hat? Kind of, yeah. And, you know, also he's stoned. Like, when he comes in and he's like, they're like, hey, motherfucker, you didn't show up with any food. You don't get to eat tonight. And he's like, "Whatever, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm even cool. Asked him, I'm not." He's like,
0: yeah. like, hey, you didn't eat those mushrooms, did you?" And Yoshida's drunk and high. Reply is, "Well, that's a question, isn't it?" Yeah, yeah, and that's it's it. It's a fucking question.
3: Uh huh. Answer it. It's the equivalent of when you come home late and your parents are like, "You haven't been doing any drinking," and you go, nah, man. <laughs> Yes, nah. mom.
0: Water.
1: H two O. Jeez. <laughs> yeah,
3: exactly. Gatorade
1: sucks. Yeah, it's a, it's a real non-denial denial.
0: Exactly. So uh, then we have the scene of Koyama selling eggs to Kasai. Uh, then we get to go to Yoshida making out with Mimi. Koyama walks in and a fight breaks out. A knife comes out. Mariah and Sakura, of course, the ever-doting parents come up and break up the excitement uh and you know Koyama's like hey we agreed to leave, leave the women alone even though he's been threatening to rape them this entire time uh but sakuta's like so you had no right to fight him you're just jealous uh and my question is because uh Mariah's you know saying this same shit, but would Mariah act the same way if it would have been Akiko if it would have been him and Akiko making out and the fight would have been breaking out? Would he have been like, oh, you know what? You're right. That's no reason to fight. Yep. Mm-hmm. Kind of, uh, you see, uh, the hypocrisy between the high class and the low class. With the low, cl- you were just jealous of them because you're a low class and they're high class. It's not, I don't think it's, you, like, you've been threatening to rape them this whole time. And now you're going to get mad because he is actually getting some? You're low. Yeah. This scene is 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 really about once again the dynamic and the hypocrisy of the low class versus the high class,
1: and also in this moment, uh, uh you know, Mimi, our messy bitch who loves drama, immediately is like it, it starts bragging to Akiko of like everybody loves me, they can't help it. Yeah, I, it's ridiculous. I I love that move. That is you know that one of the things about her character that I love that. Like I said, she's a messy bitch who loves drama, to paraphrase the show The Good Place.
0: Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's it's great. Um, so Yoshida shows up with a gun, and he says he will kill them all. He's mad. And Yoshida, well, he admits to eating the mushrooms. Uh, and he goes, to your understanding, uh, eating the mushroom no longer makes you human. So when I kill you, it won't be murder. This is a very interesting statement because I could almost see like Hitler saying this to the Jewish people. It's not murder
1: because you're Jewish. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, yeah, yeah. It's dehumanizing for sure.
0: Like, and what's funny though is is not only is it dehumanizing, but it's him almost saying like. I'm the next step in human evolution because I, I did this crazy thing. And while you stayed regular, you're, you're now becoming a dog.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, and actually like he also it shows a preference for uh, a Kiko here. Yeah. Cause of... he
0: can, he can get Mimi all he wants, but now he can get, he can get a Kiko too. If he kills all of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, and you know he's on he's on the mushrooms. You know he's a, a, out of his gourd.
0: Yeah, it's fucking King Kong all over again.
1: Uh huh. It's King <laughs> Kong and the berries, man. Except it's the reverse where it makes you shoot stuff instead of chill out.
0: That's true. <laughs> uh, weird, but you know what? He might shoot stuff, but he seems very chill. He is the he has the most apathetic looking face I've ever seen. Like if Akiko has the most boring face. He has the most apathetic face. It, it, apathy is a cold body, and it resides
1: in him. Yeah. So, what <laughs> to to Carpenter all this up a little more? They finally like kill the build lights. a table out of tree. Oh wait, wrong no. Carpenter. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. they they kill the lights and they rush uh, Yoshida and get the gun away from him. Who, by the way, has when they do that, he, his expression there, that's what made me think of it, is his expression is just like, oh, they got me. Like, he is not that upset about this. And they're like, hey, we got to lock you up. We can't trust you anymore. You've gone crazy. And he's like, all right. It's cool, man. And it like it's the, the confidence of knowing, I suppose. Like, oh, no, no, you're all going to get God. It's fine. Lock me wherever you want. Yeah, pretty much. He he does not
0: care. So Kasai tries to convince Kasuda to leave the others behind, but Kasuda wants nothing of it. He is a skipper, and he would never do something like that. He would never, ever do something like that. Ever. Um, (laughs) So uh, all the food's been stolen, and... uh, So, uh, Sukuna, turns out, he stole all the food, even the turtle eggs that I was talking about earlier where someone saw him leave it. Uh, He stole all the food and then took the boat and leave, which makes me feel like an asshole because I just said he would never do that.
1: Uh, Look, you never know anybody, really.
0: Yeah, and when I first watched this, I always thought this was really weird because this whole thing, you're like, Sukuna's such a good guy, uh, him and Mariah are the only two good people and then he ups and does this which mm. makes you wonder did he always have this idea was this always his plan did he when Kasai tried to do this did he just lose faith in everybody and just say fuck it I'm gonna go save myself like what do you like Bo what do you
1: think on that uh no I, I do think that it, you know I, I think that the argument to leave everyone behind got to him a uh, sum and it, but it's also like, well, if escape, it like, if if we're in it for ourselves, then why the fuck would I be going with you? Like, why don't I just take all the shit and get out of here? And I, I don't think that's a, a totally wrong headed move in this scenario. Yeah. Court, how do you feel with it being your first time watching it?
3: <laughs> I didn't blame him at all. And I kind of felt like he was doing a little bit of subterfuge. And I agree with what Bo said. I think the reason he was doing the subterfuge is he's like, why the fuck would I want to leave with you? You are the least person that I want to survive this whole entire thing. And I think he just kind of did a survey around of the people that he's with. And he's like, you know what? I don't care about any of these other people. I need to survive. I'm out. Yeah. yeah. They're, all, they're all dragging him down. They're going to get him killed. And he knows it.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. literally, Kasai is the only one that he's actually known for a long time. And then the only one he technically should feel responsible for is the sailor, Kuyama. But hell, he's been threatening to kill people and rape people and fuck him, right?
3: Yeah, I'm not going to be left alone with that guy when I got to fall asleep and nothing but food that's barely enough to keep us going. I'm definitely not taking him. I'd rather take my chances on my own. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. And then on top of all that, Yoshida escapes.
1: Well, it, it, like, maybe his uh, his mall. apparently, uh, you know, he shows up with her in tow, and she's uh, she's like, yeah, the mushroom twins are here, and by the way, we want the girl. How much for the women?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
3: how much for the little girl? Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> and as everyone's talking about, you know, how Sakura did this, you know, she was like, I don't think Sakura ever had a high opinion of them. And you know what? He's probably fucking right. Uh, and, you know, he even makes the joke. He wonders how many times he's written something like this in one of his novels, which is so interesting because I talked about earlier how he he wanted to go talk to the mushroom people to, you know, I said earlier that I thought it was him almost his interest in talking them was almost as if he was going to write a novel. And now he's kind of like,
1: look, my life has become my novel. Yeah. Uh well and oh, this of course doesn't last long because uh you know our our pal the captain shows up nope skipper sorry nope what sailor sailor shit uh and is like hey uh, uh I'm going to tackle uh Yoshida and Yoshida's like fuck you and just pops a couple of caps in him drops him but it opens a window for Mirai and uh at all to turn the tables to get uh, the rifle away and ultimately uh, get Yoshida and uh, Mimi to walk the plank. They're like, Hey, you mushroom weirdos get out of here.
0: Yeah. You know, what's weird though? Uh, Yoshida is really good at grabbing a gun. Really shitty at actually putting it to any effect. But when he was fighting Koyama earlier on over Mimi, like, when dude, when Koyama pulled a knife on him, Yoshida didn't give a shit. He was still ready to fight. Yet he constantly loses every wrestling match that happens in this movie.
1: Yeah, not a lot of core strength. on Yeah, Rashida. but
0: he was throwing punches on, at, you know, and hitting Koyama pretty easily. And I'm just like, what the fuck is going on with you? You like at some point can throw a punch, but then you can't like shoot someone properly.
3: Like, come on, man. I was just pissed that he kept wasting bullets at their feet, trying to scare them away. When after the first one, they didn't even move faster. I was like, "Dude, you may need those for suicides at the very least." Nah, right? he's not. A, he's
0: not a suicide guy.
3: No, I meant the other people may need them for They're at the very suicide. They're not suicide
0: guys either. We'll, we find that out later, though. Uh, so uh, they kick Yoshida and Mimi off the ship and tell them to go eat mushrooms. Right. Uh, Mimi even begs Kasai, but but Kasai throws in her face what she said earlier about you liking Yoshida better. So ladies, remember be careful who you say who you like better. They may eventually have the gun.
3: Especially if they give it to you in a note that says, "Do you like me?" Circle one, yes or no. Yeah, be careful because that's entrapment.
0: It is. Ask yeah. for or ask to see your lawyer first. Or fire him before someone comes in and rates his office.
1: Ask um, if they're a cop. They have to tell you. Actually, a... they don't. I found out that that's not fucking true. Eh. Um, I prefer they... to believe my delusion. Thank you.
0: Okay, fair <laughs> enough. You know, eat some mushrooms. Uh, so we see a, a beautiful thing of Koyama on the ground dead with money around him, which
1: is about as in your face as, as this movie can be um (laughs) yeah yeah i mean subtlety maybe uh, i take the back i was gonna say subtlety isn't matango's thing it actually kind of is most of the time which makes a moment like this like oh right of course
0: yeah it does like a lot of times it is very subtle but there are other times where it's just like hey let me shove this in your face
3: um i'm willing to give them this indulgence at this point because it's it's enough to where if you're really looking for messages you're gonna find it but if you're just a casual average viewer, you're just like, oh, rich guy dies with a lot of money. Ha, ha, ha. Actually, yeah.
0: it's poor guy dies with a lot of the rich man's money.
3: Well, if it's yours when you die, you're rich. <laughs>
0: mm, well, I mean, I, I don't think it was enough to be rich. He'd probably blow it all in a fucking week on blowing
1: hookers. Check in, mate.
3: <laughs> uh, so uh, it looks like I, I would. I mean, I don't blame him. That's what I would do with it. One of my favorite things
1: shots in this movie is like as soon as they kick them off the the boat uh it's like oh and now the rainy season has come and you just get this shot of mushrooms blossoming from the earth that was creepy Uh, it really is
2: the music
0: is so good right here um oh fun fact uh the stuff they use to make the mushroom grow is uh a chemical that would later become styrofoam this was before styrofoam was actually made. A company had invented this thing, and normally they were just going to make the mushroom grow with, like, the typical, uh, like, cotton candy thing, but uh, the the guy who was working in special effects, uh, his friend worked with his company that were trying to figure out something they could do with this chemical, uh, and he showed it to him that when this chemical meets oxygen, it balloons up. And they found out that if you put it in canisters, you can kind of make it balloon into mushrooms. They even talked about how using different style of canisters would make it go in certain ways. So they ended up using it, using that for this movie. That chemical would later go on to be the main ingredient for styrofoam.
1: And also the nice. one that's frosty.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, you know... Uh, yeah, thanks for ruining Wendy's Frosties for me. I mean, they were already ruined because I'm diabetic now, but thanks for making it worse.
3: And pretty much all milkshakes, too. It's the same thing. You know what? Go fuck yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then there were three. Uh, it's been raining for weeks, and Kasai says he's finished. Mariah says they can't give up, because, but Kasai wishes they, they would kill him, as he doesn't have the courage to kill himself. Now, here's the thing. I feel bad for the guy. How bad does it suck when you want to die and you are too much of a pussy to do it yourself? Which is kind of strange, because a lot of people say that people that kill themselves are pussies, but this guy's saying he's too much of a pussy to do it. So yeah. I don't know where you stand there, but I call you a pussy if you're too afraid to kill yourself.
1: Kasai. Um <laughs> Well, so he, he kind of gets his here, because uh, Mamie... All hopped up on the mushrooms and the jazz cigarettes. Ret- <laughs> the yayo. The yayo. <laughs> the gank. Um, the clean burning propane. I, I, I can't <laughs> not do it at this point. And uh, she shows up on the ship and is like, hey, uh, I lo- this whole scene is just creepy as fuck to me. Where she's like, hey, uh, what's up? Uh, it seems like you guys are starving up here and whatnot. And uh, and and he's like, yeah, you know, y- how'd you survive out there? And she's like, I haven't been hungry since I left. I've been eating that mushroom, Jack, and it's good. And uh, <laughs> he's he he falls to his knees and begs her for help. And this is where she gives him this look, where it's just like, oh man, she has become one with the shroom, you know, where she's like yes pet yes come with me i'll feed you but
0: it, it's also her showing her dominance because she admits earlier she was using him to like go to europe so she had to kind of do things that he wanted to do he had she had to ask him for help uh and and she replied after he because i asked her for help she replies now you finally know what it means to ask for help Mm -hmm. Um, which is very important because once again, this is the dynamic of a rich person, you know, the higher up having to ask for help or, or you could even look at it as the man having to ask the woman for help, you know? Whichever way yeah, you it's look a at, a total
3: it. power dynamic shift in all directions, yeah. which is really wonderfully done.
0: Um, and the other thing important about this is also how the mushroom has affected Mimi in a different way than it's affected everyone else, which we haven't truly seen yet. But we will see when the others show, when we see the others, how the mushroom has affected. Them. For Mimi, it's different. She actually looks more beautiful. It's like it's instead of growing like green fungus on her face it has grown nice glittery makeup on her uh, <laughs> yeah. and this is done on purpose uh shiro honda uh he was like i don't want to make her look ugly is there some like can't we do something else to show how the mushrooms have affected her and someone was just like well we can make her prettier and shiro honda was like "God damn right you can so that's <laughs> that's the way they went
1: yeah. um uh, that works. Yeah. So she takes him to the the land of the mushrooms. And he, the whole time he's like, when can we eat? And she's like, a little further, a little further. Which is
0: funny because she's probably been like, when can we do this? And he's like, a little deeper.
3: And uh-huh. now it's changed. <laughs>
1: And uh, then she finally, like, starts eating a mushroom, and she's like, you should have been doing this all along, dummy. And so he starts eating a mushroom, too. And then he has a a psychedelic drug trip where he sees a bunch of sparkles and pretty ladies and neon lights and uh, the, you know, Broadway, essentially, uh, appears before him.
0: Yeah, and I'm not saying that he got high and possibly fucked one of the giant mushrooms thinking it was a showgirl. But it could have happened.
3: I'm just saying. That's what my interpretation was. I thought that he got high and started plowing a mushroom person.
0: Yeah. Uh, Oh, fun fact. The mushrooms that they're eating are made out of rice pastries that they would go and buy from this little shop right down the road from Toho. Uh, And uh, sometimes they would even flavor them to make them taste nice. Oh. Oh.
1: That's nice to hear. Yeah, very
0: cute. Um, so uh, it's after he eats it uh, that she goes. Oh, by the way, once you eat a mushroom, you become one, and you know it's kind of like Pringles. Once you start, you just can't stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so Yoshida ends up popping up, happy as hell, turning green, kind of looking. Do you remember the the from Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla? The uh, monkeys. With the green face, but but one of the guys just kind of had a green birthmark on his face.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. kind
0: of like that. If you've seen Godzilla versus Godzilla, you'll remember that. Um, now, it's kind of like heroin. Uh, you know. Once, if someone doesn't tell you it's super highly addictive right before you do it for the first time to kind of make you go, maybe I shouldn't do this. It's kind of fucked up to tell you afterwards.
1: Yeah. It's a bad move on. Well, but, you know, she's recruiting for the mushroom team.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like saying, I'm going to build this great big thing and I'm going to make someone else pay for it. And then you're like, hell yeah, you've got my, uh, I agree with you. I'm going to make this happen. And then afterwards he's like, oh, by the way, now that you've said yes, you're going to pay for it.
3: It's kind of like that. Yeah. Weird. Can't think of anybody that might know.
0: Uh, so Kasai tries to run away, but he is surrounded by the Matango because once you get inside of Matango, now they want to get inside of you.
3: Uh, so turnabout's fair play. You got to switch it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, Marai-
1: I, I really dig. I mean, this is the first time we see the mushroom people proper, uh, bouncing around in this movie. And I like the fact that they were all different shapes and stuff. That if it were just, like, a pre-molded mushroom person outfit, I think it would be less effective and goofier. And, like, this stands such a chance of being completely ridiculous. But in the context of the movie, I think it all works. And they I think also, they're kind of creepy looking.
0: The mushrooms are also always kind of background. So it's never like you're seeing it walk towards the camera or something, you know, or something ridiculous. Like... If you've ever watched that old, horrible movie, Monster Robot, where they just have a gorilla suit that they put a helmet on top of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks goofy because it's always the main focus as it talks really proper and shoots bubbles at people. And Matango, it's never right in your face. It's it's always kind of moving in the background in an environment that it looks just like. So it blends in so well. It never looks that goofy.
3: Um, Yeah,
1: that's true, too.
3: Yeah. Well, Robot Monster really was just a gorilla suit and, like, a diver's helmet, and they spent no money on it. These mushroom suits, even when you do get a really good glimpse of them, which you don't get, like, a huge amount of really good glimpses, they're still impressive looking because they're amorphous. There's nothing really similar to any of them, and there's just the way the mushrooms look. It's just, like, a cluster of this stuff that could have been a person— or perhaps now that they've learned how to mimic people, they are growing like people as well because they've gotten enough broad spectrum DNA from all the people they've taken over. Who knows?
0: The world may never know. Um, yeah.
3: Are these are these the previous victims or are these mushroom people that are literally growing out of the DNA?
0: Yeah, it, it's hard to tell you the way fungus works. I would think it is it's kind of a mixture of both what you're saying, because it, they, it probably took over the old ship. But once those spores start going, I mean, the fungus is controlling the body. So it's their bodies. It's the old ship people's bodies, but it's the brain of the fungus.
3: Yeah, like a hive mind thing. Like, does it absorb the knowledge of the people so it learns how to manipulate people even more? Uh, maybe so. I mean, I, I don't know that the movie gets into that detail for sure. But I could certainly see the argument for it because the, all all of these things act kind of together. Yeah. Well, these are where this is where my mind went during this scene where I'm like, "Holy fuck! Like, how dangerous and how much of a hive mind can it learn from us?" Like, I was like, really like, my mind was just inflamed with all these ideas of what these things could be. Whenever you see them walking after his drug trip, and I'm just like, "Holy shit! Is any of this even real? Like, or are they all just hallucinating from?" starvation and some kind of tainted food that they're eating like what the fuck is going on and i'm just like again scooting further and further to the edge of my seat like really watching this movie intently and loving yeah, it at it's, this point
0: it's like the first time you watch john carpenter's The thing and you're trying to fit what are the abilities this monster has who is infected how does it infect it, it, it's literally all of that except with yeah. mushrooms and it's the 60s
3: yeah, it really grabs your attention, and it really makes you wonder, like, is any of this even real? Like, that's the thing that I've been kind of hinting at is, like, are they all hallucinating? Are they killing each other, thinking that they're mushroom people? You know, like, what the fuck is going on in this movie? This is insane.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of funny. Um, th- uh, this movie is based off the story Voiced in the Night by uh, William Hope Hodgson, which, uh, in turn is an author that inspired Lovecraft, which in turn is the inspiration for John Carpenter's version uh, of The Thing, which is, it's from a novel, but but John Carpenter's Thing is a very Lovecraftian version of it. So it's kind of interesting how, like, you can connect Matango to John Carpenter's Thing in so many ways, it's not even fucking funny.
3: Yeah, the source material is very common ground that they have there. They're definitely treading on some of the same ground, and it activates that cosmic horror fear that works so well in my brain. Yeah,
0: like, literally, Lovecraft wrote an article about Hodgson's work. So, I mean, it really is influential. Um, But we go back to Mirai, who goes looking for Kasai on the ship, uh, but the ship looks like it's been being taken over again by Fungus. Uh, which can kind of throw you off now, Court, being your first time, when he goes back on a ship and everything, once again, out of nowhere, just covered with fungus again. Did that throw you off?
3: I thought it might have been because of the rainy season, the water's kind of seeping in and the chemicals they used to try and take it back. You know, like maybe the fungus was encroaching. I didn't really get too far off on that. I was just kind of like, okay, what happened here? How did it grow? Yeah. You know, I... like I was just like, somehow it penetrated again, but how?
0: I, the first time I saw it, I literally thought that, um, he had found another ship because I was like, how would the fungus have grown that fast? He literally like left for a few hours, came back and then all of a sudden everything's covered in fungus skin.
1: Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I don't get too uh, bogged down on the timeline on that mostly because it's like, oh, well the, this is the assault. You know, like the, the, the fungus is closing in on them. And I think it can be sentient enough that it's like, okay,
3: well, let's grow real fast. True. Yeah, it may have also been, if it is that sentient, which is one of the things that I was questioning, perhaps it pulled back and gave them a sense of comfort where it's like, we're going to get them eventually. There's no escape. Let's just let them wear down so it's less of a fight. And then when we have this final push that's happening here then it's like, okay, this ship is now mine again, and you're fucked.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of ships, Mirai goes back out, climbs up a mountain, and sees a boat in the fog. And as he gets closer and gets to the boat, he finds out that it's, it's their yacht um, and that Sakuda didn't make it. He left a note saying the crew died in, on an island and that he, the captain, died in the sea. Uh, he goes back to tell Akiko that the yacht came back and Sakura died um and she basically at this point is giving up and is just like can we eat the mushrooms now but uh no because now me and kasai are probably half mushroom and akiko now she wants to kill herself but mariah confesses his love to her which fun fact if you see someone about to jump from a bridge you go hey i love you and they go well you know what the bridge is my mistress and then they jump off anyway so you failed um, uh, which is that's from a song. Uh, about a guy who uh, uh, talks about how his lover is the river and the bridge is his mistress as he's committing suicide. Um, so do 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 do. Where was I? He confesses his love for her. Uh, and uh, I hope they fuck before they die. But instead of that, there's a knocking at the door. Uh, Marai. Shoots the mushroom color hands, tries to open, and then it attacks through the portholes, which is very, you know, creature from the Black Lagoon like. Then it tries to break down the walls, which is very zombie like. And then Mori breaks off an arm, which looks fucking fantastic, by the way.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this sequence, I mean, I, this sequence, this whole entire sequence of the sort of surge to attack and all the mushroom people coming into the room that they're barricaded in, it works on so many levels, and it, it has those echoes of stuff that you would see in night of the living dead later, or even last man on earth where they're all attacking Vincent price's house and that kind of thing. And it just activates that survival instinct fear that is just so per- like, it just permeates your very being where you're like, Oh my God, I'm trapped in this room and they're going to get me.
0: Yeah. And it's all these people that were from that ship who have not turned into the full big bloomed mushrooms yet. Um, they're still kind of in the middle transportation phase and they're going to bring them back to the full bloom mushroom people, which makes you wonder: Are those full bloom mushroom people? Are they organic mushrooms, or are they also previous ships that we've that you know they saw shipwrecked uh, earlier? Are they all? Are they just from years and years before, so they've gotten to the state of full bloom? There's so much like rich history here that you don't know that I I just really want to know. Like I wish this like there was a book version of Matango that kind of went into this.
3: Yeah. How long has this been going on? Like, yeah. How cool would it have been if they would have had the money where they go wandering around the Island and they're like, just looking for another place to try and find food or something like that. And they happen upon like a shipwreck cove that has like old pirate ships and like this shit has been happening for yeah, well, centuries. That would be so cool. There
0: is that one scene early on uh, where uh, Koyama and Sakuda are on the ship fixing it. When we the first scene of them actually fi- trying to fix their yacht, uh, and Koyama looks down and sees all the all the crash ships and points out that th- this pop- this happens a lot. So it could have been happening for a long time. Uh, there's these little things that give you hints as to what you know you can kind of fill out as the background, but it, it's I would just love to fucking know more.
3: Um, yeah, and also the island moves on its own because the whole island is a fungus. Okay, <laughs> this is not
0: uh, Giant Size X-Men number one, so we are not going into that territory,
3: but thanks for playing. Nice. Nice. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so, I love that I love I make this weird, obscure, dumbass reference, and Jerry picks it up and runs with it. Uh, yes.
0: <laughs> uh, so uh, he chases after the monster he broke the arm off of, shoots him in the back, uh, you know, they fight, one of them throws a sheet on him, they try to be, you know, a ghost. Other mushroom men grab a Kiko. He fights another one and pushes over the railing. The other two drag Akiko away. He heads back down to the room to see that she's missing. There's so much going on here. So Mirai just says, fuck it, and runs into the jungle, into the thick of the mushrooms, looking for his love. But right. uh, he walked into a Matango gangbang because they start to ah. surround him as he hears Akiko call out to him. Now, my fiance loves to do this. Well, she will just see me and she'll go, Mirai. it imitates uh, a Kiko and it's, it's very adorable. And then I'm like, don't touch me. You mushroom eating freak.
3: Um,
0: (laughs) And then it's no longer cute. Uh, So she's eating the mushroom and it's very happy. It's almost as if she's this shy, timid girl is now liberated because she has eaten the mushroom. She is, she, she did what she was. She's always done what she's been told to do. And now she has broken the rules and is liberated by eating the mind-altering mushrooms, uh, which is very significant because it's kind of like the breaking of the traditional uh, conservative Japanese woman into falling in with the bad crowd of the new Americanized woman of Mimi and eating mushrooms with her and becoming liberated. And next thing you know, she'll be burning her
3: bra. Um... And wanting to vote. She's she's two steps away from dating somebody like me.
0: Yes, exactly. And that's going to be horrible (laughs) for
3: her. Um, I've dated me. I know what it's like. Yeah.
0: So uh, the Matango surround him, and he kind of wrestles past them and uh, others as as he watches them eating mushrooms. Uh, He tries to get Akiko, but can't, so he just leaves her behind as she calls out his name. And he runs to the beach and swims to the yacht, Uh, and he's rescued and, and he's sorry that he was. We now go back to the beginning of the movie where he is back in the psychiatric ward. And he's saying if he really was in love with her, he would have stayed and eaten the mushrooms with her. Now, this is where the big change comes up depending on which version you're watching. In the Japanese version, he clearly states he does not eat the mushrooms. And yet he is still affected by what the mushrooms did So you have to wonder, was it the spores that did it to him, or was it his love for Akiko, or did it just not matter, and he was there for long enough that it did affect him? On the other hand, if you watch the American version, the Americans were like, that's too deep, make him say he ate the mushrooms. So he admits to eating the mushrooms uh, while he was on the yacht, because he was confused and depressed. Uh, so to me... The American version is kind of fucking stupid, uh, but I still love the dub. But the Japanese one kind of shows you that uh, because of the social environment he was in, even though he didn't eat the mushrooms, he was still affected by the spores. Even if you are a conservative traditional Japanese person, if you were living in this new world environment, you will be affected anyway. Yeah. is kind of what they're trying to show in your face. Uh, the hippies are coming for you. They're going to change your
3: world and make you one of them.
0: Yeah, pretty much the, the hippies are, are coming and the druggies are here. Uh, and, <laughs> and it's kind of like, uh, you know, he's saying Tokyo is the same as that Island. People are just as cruel in this city. Um, and, and that's where the, the movie ends with its grand statement of, of social commentary and uh now we're going to kind of get into our, not only our final thoughts, but we're going to talk about the philosophy in this movie. Uh, and I did some research to pull from experts,, uh, you know, and what they think of this movie, uh, and kind of my interpretation of them because I do agree with them, but they have more historical context of what Japan was like at the time. So I took what they what they said and added my own little, sugariness to it so we're going to get into that but before we get into that i'm going to open the floor to court uh so he can kind of go into his breakdown of of his first time watching this movie what he thought what he thinks it means before i break out words from you know honda and the rest so court give us your thoughts
3: i spent a good amount of time while watching this trying to figure out if this was all in their heads and some kind of a weird hallucination or if it was really happening and it wasn't until it's revealed that the guy at the very end actually was infected to where I'm like, okay, so there was something on the Island, but did they see and experience all the things that they thought they were seeing and experiencing or was this fungal infection? Did it get them all? And this is just what he saw in his hallucination while other people were experiencing other things. And, I like that idea where it's kind of a descent into madness that may be induced by a toxic environment. And I realize that this may be a huge allegory for the Western world coming in and destroying Japanese traditional values and how Honda has a problem with that. And that really fits in with a lot of what uh, Lovecraft's stories come from as well that we were kind of discussing earlier it's very xenophobic it's very afraid of the other and this thing that makes you different than what who you used to be do you mean
0: lovecraft might be slightly racist oh yeah he's
3: very racist and extremely xenophobic. not some white
0: guy who wrote science fiction that that's what are you gonna (laughs) tell me next l ron hubbard wasn't a fan of homosexuals
3: Um my fear of the scientologists will not allow me to comment on that Jerry but anyway back to my I point I'm scared of them <laughs> But back to my point though I really dug it because I was really trying to in my mind wrap my head around the idea of is this reality or is this their perception of reality and there's enough talk about that going on with the professor guy the writer you know that kind of fluid reality and what we see is our reality and our interpretation of it, but that's not what everyone else sees. And having that all kind of layered in over top of some of the social economic inequality that is happening with the way that when the chips are down and it's time for survival, the people who are prepared for this are the ones who have always had a struggle. And even though they may not be the best people in the world, they're the people that you're going to turn to when the chips are down because they at least know how to survive. Yeah, the economic meek inherit the earth so to speak yeah yeah because they're the tough bastards who have had to live on less than minimum wage you know <laughs> to to survive in a world that has definitely bypassed them and just left them behind to just kind of slowly starve and die yeah this guy has this guy has been hungry his whole life so it's no different when he's on the island it just so happens that there's no one there to tell him that he can't talk about how he wants to rape everybody And go full Leslie Nielsen and day of the animals.
0: And I want to talk about what what you said with not truly knowing if all this really happened or if it was, you know, fever dreams from the hallucinations from the fungus and they have a shared delusion um, that was going on because technically some of them didn't see, uh, you know, the, that first creature walk on the boat. Some of them did, some of them didn't, they're not entirely sure uh, and I like that because some movies try to pull off the, did it happen or didn't happen, it's up to you to decide, and cannot pull it off. Some movies should have done that, and at the end of it decided to make you clearly know w- that it truly was there. I'm looking at you, The Witch, um, uh, because you didn't have the balls and had to ruin it. I'm sorry, I hate The Witch, and oh, people know about my hatred. You. It should okay. Real quick, it should have had the balls to never have shown the actual witch in the woods so that it would have remained a psychological drama of a family being broken down by their religious beliefs and how it destroyed them and they turn on each other because they are so ingrained with their religion that they think a witch is actually there, much like the Salem Witch Trials' hysteria, but instead it ruins that by actually making witches in a satanic coven
1: be true. I, I counterpoint. Yeah. I think the story that it's telling though, is be careful. What, what world you create, because that's the world you've got to live in. Yeah. Oh, I agree.
0: Yeah. My statement says the exact same thing, except it includes it, it, It's you did it to yourself. Yeah, not exactly. that. Oh, it turns out you were actually one hundred percent correct. The devil is real. God is real. Witches are real, and your daughter is a
1: witch. Right, but he, but but the father in that film drives his family to the fates that they they they, they that end up. But uh, it turns out he was too.
0: right that they really are there. He just was too. He was right. so extreme. He was driven from the town, and he was driven right into the hands of what he, you know, said he was going to protect his family from. Uh, and, and this man of God uh, apparently is not good enough for his own God to save him from the work of the devil. So either God doesn't care or God doesn't exist. But if Satan exists and God exists, so therefore God doesn't care. Uh, okay, I should stop talking about the witch. Um,
1: I, what, Hey, whatever <laughs> another gets, day, whatever gets Bo, me to... Wouldst thou like to live deliciously? Whatever you gotta okay. do to get me to that place, that do it.
0: That is a great line, uh, and it really makes me want to eat some butter. Like, just straight out the fucking oh, uh, no, plastic tub. Oh, it actually my God. really
3: does make me reappreciate how great butter really Not, is. Yeah, Not yeah, since really Les does.
1: Tango in Paris have I appreciated butter that much.
0: <laughs> Speaking go, of Matango. Go get the butter um but yes uh something that a lot of movies either can't do properly or don't have the balls to do matango greatly pulls off and i'm so glad to hear that the the big thing that you took out of it was that not only did this movie pull it off and doesn't truly answer it but it leaves you up it leaves it up for you to kind of decide
3: uh but just the way you described it was so fucking good Court. Oh, well, thank you. That's how I was thinking it the whole way through. And honestly, I actually started it again because I finished it like right around 5.15. And I'm like, I got 45 minutes. I can get through the second half again. And I backed it up from like, from pretty much the last 45 minutes again. And I'm like, I'm watching this again. Now, (laughs) you watched the Japanese subtitled version? No, I watched the English language dub version. So I did see the part that you were talking about where he says he ate the mushroom. So... I kind of figured it would help for me to have that so that I could kind of point out the versions that were different because I figured you guys would watch the subtitle. Uh, one. No,
0: I watched the dub. I've watched the subtitled one. I just know that at the end, I just dropped the whole him eating mushrooms thing and I'm good. That dub is really fucking good though, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it matches up really well. It fits really well. And usually you have like at least one character in a Toho International dub that has like a really high pitched, annoying voice that's supposed to be comic relief. And that's not here at all. These are all straightforward, serious character voices in the dub, and it's really effective. I, I was super I, impressed with this movie. I want a Blu-ray of it too.
0: Yeah, Ashiro as Honda said uh, when they were making the movie, he was like, he told all his actors that uh, this is a serious drama, so treat it as such. And, and they did, and they did a wonderful job. Now, Bo. Mm. Uh, you, when, when I was doing my research for this movie, uh, to get all my notes proper, um, I kind of wondered if I even need to because of how great of a job you do of researching Japanese movies and what the time was like in Japan when those movies were made and what they were saying. So I'm kind of interested, even if you didn't do research, just with the knowledge you have what your thoughts on this movie
1: are? Uh, let me begin with ah no um sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I I think this is basically Grandpa Ashiro's um complaint about the those kids and their loud music in a lot of ways. Um, it's very like I said you know culturally speaking, this is the beginning of. Not just uh, a cultural shift in the teenagers in Japan, but this is also, there's, there's a bit of an artistic shift. Uh, you're starting to see some of those motorcycle <laughs> movies, which is a crazy subgenre in Japan. Like, more so than I think even in the US uh, in the 50s. Yeah, around, they kind of
0: replaced the Salaryman
1: movies. Yeah, yeah. And they became this crazy, like, counterculture. and And they were kind of punk rock. They weren't just... Like, you know, the westerns of the uh, American cinema, where it's just like, oh, well, this is a genre everyone seems to like, so we're just going to make a million of these. Like, all of them were about, like, you know, James Dean types and shit like that, because that's what they were all spawned from. So they all had this kind of fuck-you authority attitude. Um, and, And so, in a lot of ways, I think this is Honda in a, defending in a weird way, the kind of movie he makes. Um, and, and also putting his, like, like I said, Dragnet-esque spin on, you know, Hey, this, like these kids are going to do the dope and it's going to make them lazy and shiftless. And they're just going to want other people to do the dope with them. And I honestly think that is 90% of this movie it's just that <laughs> that everything else around it is so brilliant and like the message itself i don't think is is that striking in a weird way it's just that like the the scene where Mirai runs after Akiko, and when he finds her, he realizes that she's already eaten the mushroom because she's all prettied up and she's eaten a mushroom. That's the real giveaway. It turns out, um, and she says to him, "They're so delicious. You really need to like you. You need to eat one." And it's it reminds me so much of that scene in uh, Kaufman's Invasion of the Body Snatchers where Brooke yes. Adams becomes the pot person and and she's like it doesn't hurt you know it's fine just just give in and it's that kind of thing that hits me on this like primal like identity level where you have this uh loss of self that i i find kind of terrifying and intriguing all at the same time and I think that's what Matango does a real good job of at way too early an age it would be like if you heard that a four year old directed The Exorcist you're just like no 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 you shouldn't be able to do that at this time and because Matango happened so early in not just like Japanese horror cinema but because it's kind of you know of the time where there were a lot of monster movies but there wasn't really a movie like this and I, I think uh, the green slime is kind of in the in this weird ballpark of like it's it seems real salacious and weird, but the movie itself is something kind of creepy and uncanny and uncomfortable. And it really Matango has always gotten under my skin, and it still does. When I watch it now, I come away from the movie feeling uh,
3: uncomfortable and and wet usually. This feels a lot to me like the Japanese perspective post-World War II, similar to what we were getting in Kevin Kevin McCarthy's version of the Invasion of the Body Snatchers, where it's that, that fear of everything's changing around you, and the world that you once knew is now gone, and what is happening is this slow infestation of something that's completely different than your ideology, and you can't live in this world anymore. Right. That xenophobia in both of those films mirrors really well, and I would love to do a double feature of both of those back to back and kind of compare the cultural shock of
0: it. Of both the invasion movies
3: or the the invasion movies in of, of, of Invasion uh, Fifty Nine, I think it is, yeah. isn't it? Or like, eh, yeah, I'll, invasion, I'll double check, it, but that sounds right. Yeah, I think it's like it's late late fifties, and like at the earliest, it's late fifties. But like Invasion of the Body Snatchers with Kevin McCarthy, the old black and white one and Matango. I want to watch them back to back and just kind of like, almost like a comparative thesis kind of thing, like to see the cultural shock that is being presented on screen of the fear of the change from your traditional values and what you know and into a world that you can no longer live in anymore because it is so left field of what you would have been used to. I really like that idea. What's
0: really funny about... Uh, this being you know a movie that that is kind of saying i don't like how the how japan is becoming americanized is that you know the original godzilla from 1954 was a movie that was made freshly out of the the lift the lift that happened from american occupation where they were like you can't make any movies that talk about nuclear weapons you can't Make anything that's anti-American. Like we had a very tight grip on Japan and what they could do. And once that was lifted, Godzilla was one of uh, one of the very first couple of movies that actually did point that finger and did talk about it. Um, and I think Ishiro Honda at that point was like, "Now that the lift is gone, we will go back to being Japanese." But the problem was, is that's not what happened. We Japan instead of that started becoming uh, uh, more Americanized, and this movie is a critique of the shallowness and self-centered attitudes that came when it started getting Americanized, uh, especially in 1960 when uh, elected Prime Minister Hayato Akita's income doubling plan started, where they were he he rapidly boosted the economy. Uh, they had the Japanese the uh, the Olympics coming to Japan in 1964. So they were building stadiums and they were getting all this stuff. And uh, he, uh, Hiato, Minister Hiato's plan was to use Western-style Western commun, uh, Western consumerism. And it ended up creating a bigger middle class, which was great. They could buy, you know, refrigerators and washing machines, stuff that they normally would not have been able to buy. But the rich also got richer which means their children became what Bo was talking about. They were going to school in sports cars. They were taking their parents yachts out. There was a story that happened in, in, in Japanese news that caught Honda's attention when uh, a couple of rich yacht kids took well rich kids took their parents yacht and they traveled too far out in sea and had to be rescued by the Japanese government. Uh, and originally the first draft of this, did involve all teenagers. It was all kids. Um, Honda really didn't like that they were becoming Americanized and these modernized spoiled children. They, they, they didn't have respect for, for structure in, in government and they didn't respect their elders and they didn't respect tradition. Uh, they, they were playing their music too loud and watching motorcycle movies. Uh, and this movie, calls into question when people like that, that that break the unspoken respect for authority we see in a government, when that's gone, when that's suppressed, what happens to us? You know? Right. The writer goes mad with lust. The rich man hoards his food. The captain leaves them all behind. The sailor extorts money. And the singer enjoys being fought over. Uh, I, I mean, it, it's... It, when all you have is your own ego controlling you with no rules and you you can let your fruity and fucking slips go everywhere what happens uh it's the themes of dehumanization and the collapse of society and structure that can be seen in many movies even japanese movies. you look at battle royale which uh luckily uh, hey i'll be doing an episode uh on this uh, another legion podcast so uh, look at that Mm-hmm. Fucking plug like for psycho semantic podcast.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, on brand, I like it.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be on brand. Uh, I hope everyone <laughs> enjoyed my little legion bumper that you will hear at the yeah. end of this episode. Yeah, <laughs> thank
1: you again. That was awesome.
0: Uh, you're welcome. I know people love hearing my voice everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but you see that you see it in movies like Battle Royale. It's still there. Where in Battle Royale you have you know a country that the kids have. are are, you know going wild and you have the teacher in that is is basically yashiro honda saying you (laughs) are not gonna fucking behave i'm gonna make you behave but you know you it's it's not you no longer have the respect you should have like i just brought up that bumper i made i could have easily being the one that made that bumper made sure that kill the cast was more prominent than any other show in that bumper Mm -hmm. I could have stated at the beginning, my name is Jerry from Kill the Cast, and if you like this show, blah, blah, blah. I could have done that. I didn't do that because I had the respect for authority uh, and the structure of the network. If I didn't have that, I would have came out there with, I'm Jerry from Kill the Cast. If you don't listen to these other podcasts, I might come murder and rape you or feed you to mushrooms. I don't fucking know. But I had that. So, Bo, you are 100% right in in this being Honda's get-off-my-lawn. It was him going, get your Americanized modern ass out of here and bring back my traditional respect for Japanese culture, my culture. The war ruined their culture. In his eyes. Obviously, Japanese culture is still there. It's fucking thriving. It's
1: just, you know, the right. new it generation. It, yeah, it's yeah, just different. New... It was like Honda was like, a, I want to reestablish, like with Godzilla and so forth. I want to reestablish some some of Japan's cinematic identity. And, and this is what you know, part and parcel of what it means to be a Japanese filmmaker, and this is what Japanese cinema is like, and all that stuff. Like, you can't undersell how significant Godzilla is. And by the time, you know, Matango comes along, uh, you know, which is almost a decade later, it's just that the people... Like you were saying, the generation that was coming up at, at this point, and it's one of the reasons that, you know, the Godzilla movies eventually kind of went away for a while is because they were kind of this goofy kind of vibe that over time that generation grew to find kind of quaint and silly uh and you can make the argument that those movies are quaint and silly but i would also say that's kind of why they're great but uh but yeah for you know that generation like it's it, it's the the people that would eventually become the sean sonos of the world the you know like we're going to be artistic and we're going to explore national identity in a way that never has been before and you know the this is about the time that there was a change in uh women's rights as well and that was starting to pick up some steam and really took uh uh you know uh the forefront in politics in the mid sixties in Japan. And I mean, it was all just really like a, t- a turbulent time. Like it was kind of everywhere in the world. And uh, yeah. And Honda is just a grandpa. And yeah, it was like, knock it off you kids with your music.
0: And it's kind of funny. Cause Godzilla is, is arguably the more important movie in the, in a grander scheme of things. Cause that's Honda talking to the world. Yeah. About a very yeah. important issue. Matango, which I would argue is literally right on... If you're going to talk about Ishiro Honda's films, I don't think anyone's going to disagree that Gojira is his most important film, it's his best movie, blah, blah, blah. But I would argue that Matango is number two, and the reason it doesn't get seen as as such is because it's it's Honda talking to Japan as to where Godzilla's talking to the world. And so in that, it's so... Even though you could easily put that to the modern age, even a modern age America. I wish I would have – damn, throughout this whole thing I should have been making points of how the people in this act just can, can be used to show modern day America. I really wish I would have done that. Fuck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that, that been, sounds like a good that idea. That would have been great. Oh, well. But the, even though this movie was him talking to Japan, it can easily be used – to talk to almost every generation because every generation, as the hands fold over and change, it becomes something different. Like you're talking about Godzilla movies, how they eventually become goofy. Also note that every time Godzilla comes back, it always comes back in a serious movie that talks about the government. Mm -hmm. Godzilla 1984, uh, you know, very much a very serious movie, Godzilla versus the government. You look at Godzilla 2000, Once again, Godzilla versus government. It it deals with a scientist who is outside of the government network being the good person versus the big military man who is not in the net, who, who is not representing, you know, the normal average person, even though Godzilla 2000, what the fuck is up with all the like transgender jokes?
1: Seriously. It, yeah. <laughs> what the yeah fuck? Look, it, it, it's pretty rough. Shin Godzilla though is But yes, it, back Shin on Godzilla. track with with um being very much about like Japan kind of reasserting itself militarily in the world. It's a very like it, like Shin Godzilla is the Bruckheimer film for Japan where it's just like fuck the rest of the world, Japan will take care of shit.
0: Yes, but it also <laughs> shows how Japan and I think almost any government in a case of in a state of emergency still has so much red tape to clear yeah that it 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 hurts and hinders more than anything else but at the same time if they you go back to the original courtroom scene in the original Godzilla movie where you have the lady arguing that this needs to be public everyone needs to know about it and the other guy arguing no 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 we need to keep it from the public we need to handle this You can, you, they, that scene could have been redone in Shin Godzilla with the lady going, all this red tape is just holding you up and causing more damage. And the other guy go for the government going, yes, but if we don't, we don't have these protocols in place, then all of a sudden we're stepping over, you know, our, the rights of our citizens and blah, blah, blah. Like it's a very touchy, messy subject and Shin Godzilla does a great job of that but it's something that you see in in er- but it eventually just becomes Godzilla Final Wars.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like the series always transgresses and goes right back into just entertaining monster v monster uh movies something that the Gamera series has almost always
1: just been. <laughs> yeah, Gamera um, is not going to give you a whole lot of political commentary. Gamer
0: is going to you get Steven out Seagal's daughter orders. and that's that's the best you get.
3: Yeah. So enjoy I, it. It's going to if it does it, it's going to be by accident. It's like, Oh, we didn't mean to do that. Sorry. Right. Sorry. If
1: you learned anything in this movie, everyone, we just meant to be a Gamera film. Yeah, exactly. So look, I got no problems with, I'm genuinely surprised that there was never an American stab at Gamera.
0: There's been rumors of it, but nothing ever comes. I kind of wonder now with all, with Godzilla doing so well if there's not talk somewhere in the background of them trying to get rights to someone to get rights to make an American camera film.
1: Yeah. He doesn't have the name
0: recognition, but I could see it. But the thing that bothers me getting back to Matango is how this movie is, is you cannot find information about this movie on IMDb. It has four pieces of trivia in the book. I have, um, that is the biography of shiro honda it gets two and a half pages uh in literally in my book that's the biography of edgy subaraya it gets a paragraph and that's it matango is not talked about even though it has so much to fucking say and it breaks my heart, and that's truly why I wanted to do this podcast. I wanted to talk Matango with people that would appreciate it, with people that would understand, it, and maybe put it out there in a way that that would convince other people to hear it. Whether they hear it and go, oh, it's The Thing Meets Gilligan's Island. Hell yeah, I want to watch that. Or if there's like, oh my god, I can't believe this has so much to say. I want to I want to see this movie. And don't get me wrong, the movie's from the 60s. It's going to be a little slow. But it's so well done with atmosphere and character-driven paranoia that you have to see it. Even a couple, like two months ago, I made a small YouTube video kind of explaining why someone should watch Matango. Um, You know, no one watches that video because no one gives a shit about Matango. Godzilla fans don't give a shit about Matango. Science fiction fans don't give a shit about Matango. Horror fans don't give a shit about Matango. And us three are kind of here to tell you, you need to give a shit about Matango because yeah. it's a very important film that that you can find so much to talk about.
3: Don't get Well, lost. hell, I didn't really check it out until you invited me to do this show. And I'm like, yeah, let's fucking do this. And I am so grateful that I got to see this movie. I absolutely loved it in case anybody couldn't tell. And I full heartedly recommend that if nothing else, if you got an Amazon Prime account, just go watch attack of the mushroom people and start from there because you need to see the movie. It is incredible. And I don't think it's slow. It kept my intention the entire time. Yeah. It's like what? 85, yeah, 86 so, minutes.
0: All three of us can sit down and watch a Vincent price movie and be fine or watch a Korean and Korean movies for fuck's sake. Or it's seven hours long always. Um, <laughs> but like we have that attention span, but for a lot of people that are fans of like eighties, horror movies and you know that kind of faster paced slasher movie it's it's going to be slow to them but if you love watching vincent price movies if you sit down and, and watch mask of the red death for the hell of it which by the way the cinema psyops of that episode is absolutely amazing and uh, you should check it out um it, it, that was all Goro. <laughs> uh, either way, it was a fucking great fucking episode because I absolutely love it's. It's in my probably top five Vincent Price movies, um, if not top two or three. Because um, I'm one of those weird people that would actually put that above Witchfinder General, which is weird. Uh, and then House of Wax is my all-time favorite Vince Price movie. So I guess it's my number two.
3: But either way. I actually would put, Mask of the Red Death, after doing that episode and really doing a deep dive into it, I would put that up towards the top as well. Yes. It's great. I would put it above Witchfinder General as well after that.
0: Yeah, I think Witchfinder General, like, it pops in more people's head because of the the subject matter. But if you think the guy from Witchfinder General is evil, yeah, he he did a lot of torturing and shit because he wants to bang chicks. But fucking Prospero? He makes people fucking dehumanize themselves and act like... Animals for his entertainment and last as a midget burns a fucking gr- guy in a gorilla suit for revenge. You know, hell Satan. Anyway, um, <laughs> I can say that I'm a Satanist. I'm allowed to. Fuck all of you. Uh, but like, if you find a Vincent Price movie very enjoyable and you can deal with that pacing, you will absolutely love Matango. And don't worry, if you're one of the people that hate reading subtitles, the now i'm not talking about the amazon prime version but the uh dub that comes on the Tokyo shot disc is very good and if you need it hit me up and i will hook you up on the download you know what i'm saying uh it, it, this movie is worth seeing it is absolutely there's a reason it's in my top 10 favorite movie horror movies of all time it is that fucking good so with that being said what well, Any final words? Does anyone have anything they want to say about Matango that they have left out? I'm going to take
3: that. I want to watch it again.
0: <laughs> yeah, I want to yeah. watch the version that's on Amazon Prime. I want to see how different it is.
1: I, I did give it a quick scan, and it looks solid. So uh, it looks
3: like just a good old-fashioned American dub of, uh, of, of Matango. So, yeah, folks, if you— I'm hoping it's the international dub from Tokyo Shock because I wouldn't put it past that being popped up there. I've seen other things Tokyo Shock did ending up on prime so it's a possibility yeah
1: absolutely and and uh yeah so if you've got amazon prime give it a shot uh matango if if like i said it's one of those movies that i think it's i don't know that it's influential but you will recognize so many other movies in it which is crazy because they all came after and uh, as I was saying earlier, it, just, it, it feels like it was the smart kid in class. Even if its message might be uh, a, a little backwards by today's standards, um, the execution of it and the, like the, the mood and the atmosphere and that just building sense of bleakness that is so uncommon to movies of this era. In, in, especially in the way that it's presented, uh, it's super good. Oh my goodness, I love Matango so much.
0: Yeah, so I, 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 we, if you don't want to watch Matango after this, I don't know what's wrong with you.
1: You're, I, I just don't even want to talk to you, yeah, well, you. You can't help somebody like that, Jerry. You can't help yeah. them at this point. Yeah, they're probably addicted to fucking berry juice. Probably all hopped up on the Matangos. Yeah. Can't only, have it. It's the only person that don't want to watch Matango is a goddamn Matango.
0: Because <laughs> they've already lived uh, it. Yeah. Because they're like Kasai. They like to point out the flaws in others, but can't see the flaws in themselves.
1: Right. They're like, now nah, that's a propaganda movie by anti-Matango activists. Yeah. It's not the lifestyle <laughs> that we actually live. If you want, if you want to see what it's like to be a Matango, just eat a mushroom, man. That's all you got to do. One of us, one of us, Google Gobble. Um Jimmy can it. We're <laughs> We're trying to keep this on the down low. Um yeah. By the so, way, now that you've eaten a mushroom, you can't ever stop. <laughs> which is really messed up. You just um, got matangoed.
0: So, yeah, with that being said, I'm going to turn the floor over to my two gentlemen here so that they can kind of tell you what they do on the Internet and where you can find them and all that jazz. So, uh, Court, the uh, Court is yours.
1: Oh, oh, well done.
0: (laughs) I've been wanting to say that forever. (laughs)
3: Uh, I won't hold you in contempt of Court for that joke. Will you hold hold me against Court? Uh, Court in storm? I, yeah, yeah. Are you guys both courting me right now? Huh? God, I don't like anything right, that's can... happening right now. No, these puns are so bad, I'm loving them. Uh, if you don't hate me after all of that, you can, you can find me on our landing page, legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. Unless Bo hated the puns that much that I'm now off the network, which is a possibility. We'll see. <laughs> Also, we are anywhere you can find and or get where all fine podcasts are given away for free, whether it's Stitcher, iTunes, uh, Google Play. Spotify, You're on Spotify. Uh, Spotify now, too. Yeah, Spotify now as well. Uh, I'm also out there on the Facebooks. If you want to interact with me there, you can private message me uh, or just friend me. I have a Facebook group for the show, Cinema PsyOps, where a bunch of like-minded individuals that enjoy all sorts of weird twisted shit, just have a lot of fun and laugh.
0: Which, you go there for the podcast, but let's be honest, you stay for when anyone posts something and it says, uh, PSYOP
3: News. Yeah. Yeah, that's accurate. (laughs) Yeah, even I'm just like, I just wish I could do an entire episode every week of just Matt and I doing the news. Like, I wish we could have the time to do that, but him and I have been working so crazy that we barely get a regular episode in. But that would be so much fun because we get that much news now. Everybody plays along. It's like everybody brings their own fucked up, weird news story for us. Oh, it's so good. Oh, right, uh, I'm so, supposed to
1: talk about me. Yeah, um, I was going
0: to move it on to Bo now that uh, uh,
1: court is no longer in session. Nice, <laughs> nice. Lo- uh, All right, now now I'm back on board. Yes, Bo, go ahead. Uh, so the regular show right now is Pick Six Movies, uh, which is. Uh, if, if you've never heard of it, it is a, a show uh, where, as the title suggests, we take six movies built around a common theme and me and my buddy Chad uh, goof on it for a while. And, and, and also tell a little story that is somehow related to the movie. Sometimes it's a production story. Sometimes it's weirdly a story about Mark Twain and uh, Helen Keller. Uh, which was inspiring <laughs> in a weird way. And, uh, so anyway, I'm very proud of that show. Uh, and you can find that here on legionpodcasts.com, uh, as well as, uh, there's, uh, PickSixMovies.com that Chad does. Um, because I was like, oh, there's no way I'm updating that shit too. Um, So, uh, and then there's, uh, you know, hero, hero, go show is kind of piecemeal, uh, but I'm working on a new episode of that and there will be a new show, but we don't have, um, a title for it yet or, uh, completely the format or, uh, artwork or music or anything. I hear Um, it's going to be called go bow yourself. Um, it's, it's going to be called
0: the podcast is actually about him using a bow flex.
1: So. It's it's going to be called the New New Zoo Review, um, <laughs> where we're going to take that format and update it by putting the word new in front of everything. Um, no, it's going to be horror based, but it's going to have some of the narrative hooks of something like a pick six, but we've got kind of a theme and uh, anyway, it's going to be really cool and it's going to be a little bit different and I'm, I'm super excited about it, but uh, like I said, I don't know what it's called yet, so I can't promote (laughs) it sexy well keep your eyes out for the legion podcast
0: network because that's where you will hear it first i was gonna say see well i guess you would see it too it's you'll see the thumbnail
1: yes there will be things to see um with your eyes and listen to with your ears because that's how science works
0: yeah um
3: and if you're close enough taste with your tongue but only ask first yes Mm. consent is important I'll, I'll tell you what, I, there's a co-host on this.
1: You'd have to ask her if, if the licking was okay. Me, it's carte blanche. You just look.
0: Actually, <laughs> it is weird. The first time I met Bo, instead of, I went to go shake his hand and he was like, Oh, you can lick it instead. And I was like, lick what? He's like my finger. And I'm like, like the tip. And he goes, no, like if I had a ring and you'd kiss it, you just lick it. And I was like, uh, luckily at that point, Uh, Ricky Morgan called and said hey we're actually At the restaurant that's the other one Not the one you're at and so we all Got to fucking get out of there and Talk about (laughs) Cutting it close
3: Yeah saved by the bell really Uh, Yeah which is also A very rapey show
0: Um (laughs) so
3: <laughs> Zach Morris is
0: trash. Yeah, so uh and then of course uh you're listening to Kill the Cast, so you know about Kill the Cast. But in case you don't listen to some of our other shows, we've got Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, which is a show that talks all about Godzilla and Gamera and other uh Japanese science fiction movies that are in the realm of the the it's not going to do like all kinds of Japanese horror and sci-fi we try to ring it in but every once in a while we might dip our our toes into a here here ghost show style uh, of movie but for the most part I try to keep it rain in uh, though we keep talking about doing the bloodthirsty trilogy yeah so yeah, I, yeah. I, I, and I I love those movies so I'm kind of like who wouldn't want a Japanese hammer horror movie? It's fucking great
1: i think the next one is going to be quite an um oh and because it's time to get real so yeah
0: i'm down uh i think i've got the laser disc over here if you need me to bring that over i mean um so
1: (laughs) i'll put uh, it on my laser disc player i will bring my laser disc player. This is a box that uh i just wrote laser disc player on the front of
0: Oh, no, I have a legit one. It, 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 I don't even have to flip the disc. The laser flips on its own.
1: I'm oh, fancy. very. That is yeah. fancy.
0: And I've got Japanese Godzilla movies on laser disc. We can watch Destroy All Monsters in Japanese. Um, uh, all right. So,
1: all right. so yeah. Underwater. worth?
0: Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Underwater Country, Rob's space. We also have Jerry Hates Action, where uh, I look at action movies because I don't really like action movies. And I, I tell you whether I, I like them or hate them. Uh, and it's kind of always up in the air, uh, like Point Break, I don't see why y'all like that movie. But Terminator 2, I came around on, so you never know. Um, And then, of course, you never know what we're doing here in the future for Kill the Cast. We do have a horror coliseum planned coming up. Our next episode is actually going to be the Toxic Avenger, so that'll
1: be fun. (laughs) Squee! All, hey, uh, also on that uh, Jerry Loves Action, I uh, meant whoa, to whoa, mention... Whoa, 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 Loves Action? Get the fuck out. Jerry hates Action. Uh, uh, sorry. People uh, in your American Ninja movies. I, I like uh, I like to be optimistic. Um, you ought to try those Denzel Washington Equalizer movies. Okay. They're, we'll they're, put it on they're there. They're quite good. We'll see. We'll, we will see about that. I Second that. Uh, wow. Okay.
0: Well, you know, if, if the court approves then we'll see what's <laughs> yeah. going on yeah if it um, pleases yeah, the court seal of approval yeah
3: it, 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 the denzel washington equalizer movies are basically denzel washington being the punisher and they are brilliant oh yeah. okay it's well, pretty good yeah not uh, not I... since man on fire has
1: denzel washington been so brazenly awesome well i will definitely have to be uh
0: checking those out um so yes Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, Also, we are on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. Check out YouTube. I've been putting out a video almost every week, uh, depending on health, because sometimes I just don't have the health, or I worked and didn't have to do it. Like, I didn't didn't make a video this week, but I made one last week, so I'll probably make one this coming week, Uh, so that's always good times. Uh, So check out the YouTube In case, you know, podcast is just not enough and you're like, Jerry, I want to hear you do more. Look on there. I, I, I either talk about old horror movie video games you probably didn't know exist unless you're in England. Or I talk about shit like Matango or just random movie facts that I threw together from searching IMDb. So, you know, I'm cool like that. But uh, whatever. Thank you for joining us. Check out all the other podcasts on Legion Network, which are about to get named in this bumper that's about to drop. And uh, thank you, Bo. Thank you, Court, for thank you. coming on. Yeah, pleasure to be here. And doing Matango with me, making my dreams come true. I'm very excited about it. Uh, so, yes, check out Kill Cast. Check out the uh, Cinema PsyOps. Where, what is it, movies leave scars, but so does having sex with court? Is that what it is? Uh,
3: well, while that is also true, it is actually physical wounds heal, but cinematic ones don't.
0: Gotcha. So technically, if you have sex with someone and it's recorded, it hits both those spectrums.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. My sex tapes leave scars in all directions
0: yeah so go check out that show like i said check out the uh, mask of the red death episode it was fucking fantastic um and then of course check out Bo and pick six movies they just did magic mike i'm i haven't listened to it yet but i'm pretty sure that that's going to be the most stand-up heroic heterosexual podcast i've ever heard We, Um,
1: we definitely use the word cock a lot
0: yeah, and check out *Hero Hero which is one of my personal fucking favorites. Uh, *Suicide Club* episode is fantastic. Um, I absolutely love that movie. I got to cover it on the ABCs of Hidden Horror, where I gave my interpretation of it. But check out Bo's because it's very fucking insightful. And there's also uh, you can look up uh, mid the uh, meatball machine. Oh, fucking goddamn yeah. it!
1: And Kodakum Meatball Machine. Uh, we did meatball yeah. machines.
0: Yeah, we did both of them. Me and Bo got together and did them. And they're fantastic. Um, so, yeah, we're out of here. I'm I, At these end of these fucking podcasts, I really need to make a script because I always just kind of blabber the fuck on. But we're out. We're done. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. Good morning, Vietnam. All of that jazz. Uh, fucking watch your berry juice. And uh, <laughs> uh, eat your mushrooms, kids.